0: Silencer Central. Folks, if you want to learn something new right alongside me, check it out at silencercentral.com. I've never put a suppressor on any of my weapons, but I'm going to start now. And I'm using Silencer Central to help get me started because they walk you through the whole process. To include, you can ship the rifle to them, they'll thread it, they'll put it on, and they will ship it back. And you can make payments on the whole thing while you wait for all the licensing to get approved which they take care of for you it's a great process and it's a great company american manufacturer right there in south dakota and we are really excited to be partnering with them so check it out at silencercentral.com or give them a call at 888-781-8778 and let them know that you heard it on the western huntsman hoffman boots is my go-to boot. I love the Explorers in the 8-inch and they've got the Vibram sole, totally waterproof, no break-in period. They just glue your feet to the mountain. You can't ask for more out of a boot and you don't have to break the bank to get a pair. So check it out at HoffmanBoots.com. Again, another American company. A local North Idaho friend of mine who runs this company decided to make some Great hunting boots for all people that are serious about getting into the backcountry to chase elk and deer and bear and everything else out there. So check it out at hoppingboots.com. Use promo code ALL Huntsman 10 at checkout to save you 10%. All right, you guys know I like to go north to Alaska. Let's kick it off. There exists a threat. From anti-hunting groups to politicians trying to give our land away, and we won't stand for it. Those vast western landscapes provide the space for our wildlife to thrive and a place for hunters and anglers to fuel the fire that sparks their soul. In this show, we share our love of hunting, fishing, and conservation. Here we provide the foundation to meet these threats through passion and the grit of the American outdoorsman. Welcome to the Western Huntsman Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of the Western Huntsman Podcast. This is Jim Huntsman, your host, coming at you from the Broken Town studio right here in Clark Fork, Idaho, after some severe and unruly technical, um, I guess, challenges here. I finally got this podcast started, and I'm pretty excited because uh, I'm a big fan of the uh, guest this week. His name is Adam Grinda, and he's was stuck in the rut. Adam, brother, I appreciate you joining me, man. You there? Yeah, can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you. Okay, you you cut out there for a minute. Um, How are things, dude? Man, I'm just busy. That's why it took me so long to kind of
1: finally have time to sit down with you uh, and wife's in Anchorage currently, so I'm a single parent to five kids tonight, and uh, hopefully it's not going to be too loud in the background and they're not killing each other.
0: You know what? I... uh... I respect I respect the fact that uh, or what you're doing there. Uh, five kids is a handful, so like I mean I think I speak for the whole audience when I say I think we can forgive you if we we hear some background noise, man. <laughs> so yeah, I uh, I I, I want to like apologize on on air here for the technical difficulties we had trying to get this show kicked off, dude. I don't know why, but like I couldn't get you coming through the board, and we were talking fine, and then all of a sudden it went away. Anyway. Sorry about all that man
1: it might have something to do with I'm like 3500 miles away possibly I don't know
0: it could be it could be well yeah. let's let's start with that man kick us off with uh give us a little bit of background on you and you know tell us a little bit about your lifestyle uh what you do and and the uh, I think most of my listeners are are pretty familiar with stuck in the rut but uh, give us a little background on that as well and and we'll just kind of go from there man
1: yeah, so I was born and raised in Post Falls. Um, first deer hunt around Apple, Idaho, I was three years old with my dad. From shoot like a little towhead buck in a clear cut, you know, right off the side of the road, sitting in a pickup, and I was just enthralled with hunting. And um, I, if it had a pulse, I was going after. I wanted to kill it. Squirrels, grouse, small game. Did a lot of small game growing up. Um, shot deer north idaho we wanted to go down south to be able to glass you know more towards southern idaho yeah shot my once-in-a-lifetime shot my once-in-a-lifetime shiris down there when i was 12 um i just I just did tons of hunting um got into college partied a lot drank my face off um it's pretty hard to get up at one thirty in the morning to go elk hunting and hiking in the dark when you are closing the bar down at two thirty. i found out so my hunting kind of took a back seat being <laughs> To being a drunk, right? Yeah, and uh, yeah. fast forward in college, I, I was in an outdoor recreation program. I'm working the summers up in Alaska, being a pilot, um, for fishing lodges and stuff. Every summer, I'm going to Eastern Washington University. My buddy's like, dude, you got to get on this app called Tinder, and I'm like, I don't need to find ass on a freaking app, I can just meet girls like a real man. Say, oh no, it's crawling with girls. And, I had exhausted all these possibilities, the girls in my outdoor recreation program who liked camping, but that was like the extent of their outdoor experience, and you're not going to find a good girl at the bar. And So I was like, whatever. And along comes this redhead, and uh, she was the sister of all the stuck in the rut guys. And I kind of knew about them a little bit, but was never huge into YouTube, and we hit it off. And I think our second date, we were up by Bonner's trying to call in wolves. Okay, Um,
2: hold
0: hold on. Hold, Hold on, man. You're throwing a lot at me here, and I got to I got to chime in on something. Go for it. So you grew up in Post Falls, right? Yep. Are you familiar with the bar called? Uh, I think back then it was either Kelly's or Big Al's Country Club. It's yes, like, sir. Like a you, state line, right? You,
1: you may have seen me on one of the pool tables there a time or
2: two.
0: Okay. Yeah. So the reason why I'm telling you this is back in the day I had a country band and uh it it was it was a pretty popular country band back then. Like we we'd get all the, the you know the big crowds and whatever. We we'd go play uh, it it went from Kelly's to uh Big Al's, right? My wife was a bartender at Big Al's and we met there. And so I want to refute your you can't meet a good girl at the bar statement
2: okay but in, okay, in, in well, my
0: defense she was working there so um and i was working there too i was a musician <laughs> well the
1: kind of girls i was seeing and uh fraternizing with at the bar and big owls i mean i don't have a lot of memory of big owls but i mean i was slapped off the frame right <laughs> and uh that was fully partaking of life <laughs> Coming back to Alaska and just being in college. But yeah, that's that's funny. I think it's actually a different name now. I don't I don't even know. It is
0: now now it's called it was actually bought uh by a dude I used to know. I gosh, I can't even remember his name. Um but anyway, it's called Nashville North now. Yep. And and they've they yeah. made it all kind of prettified. It's not it's not the country bar it used to be with the, you know, Idaho's biggest dance floor and all that kind of stuff, but Uh, yeah, it's, it's totally different. So that's, that's just there now, huh? Probably, probably a bunch of tennis playing preppies. Yeah. I don't
1: know. Well, anyways, I'm not trying to bounce around. I'm trying to give a timeline, but I meet this girl, right. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting on a bushwheel, wheel, one of the big Tundra tires of a super cup. She's holding a grayling wearing, I think Tom Schneider's Carhartt pants with paint on him. And I'm just like, man, this bitch looks pretty cool she so got like a fish Like so this is my kind of deal kind of cute and so we meet her meet her hit it off and then like i walk into their trophy room if you've been in the trophy room of stuck in the rut it's just like whoa there is like a bunch of big elk and a bunch of huge white tails and alaska stuff and all kinds of stuff and i'm like i've never seen anything like this dude and so that like eventually fast forward i marry this girl and everything i kind of marry into the stuck in the rut family and i just really kind of like put a fire inside me to like, Hey, get off the booze. You're not doing anything with your life. I mean, you're a pilot and you're graduating college and stuff, but you could be a lot more successful if you weren't an alcoholic. And then I started killing a whole lot more.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So uh, now, and, uh,
0: at that point, are you still living in Idaho?
1: I'm living in Idaho. Tana just got out of school for air traffic control. Cause she went to Alaska for school and they were going to send her to, like, Oklahoma to work for, like, a FAA center. And, like, she was good, really good. And you make tons of great money, and but you would have to, like, sit in a dark room with a bunch of video gamers. And I said, hey, I'm going to go work on this uh, remote river, Alaska Rainbow Lodge, on the Queejack. you want to go fly around to Havlin Beavers all summer and, you know, party with me? And she, it was an easy sell, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so we worked that summer. I think we got married, dated really uh, pretty short term and, um, got married. And then the next summer we were up there and then it was just like balls to the wall back into like summers and then four or five months. And then, you know, blow all your money in hunting season and then go to Williston and work at the oil field. And she would be a bartender. And then we just repeat that. Right. But you're kind of living like a gypsy. And, um, that's what we did for a while. And then I finally, uh, had enough hours flying, built up through working at lodges and air taxis and stuff that the government job came up in king Salmon where i live now for the national park service and there's very few full-time year-round flying gigs in alaska it's all seasonal pretty much yeah and this is a federal federal job i met all the requirements but i'm a white male who's straight and i'm just like oh man and i'm not a veteran right so i have all the chips stacked against me sure um and if I was, like, a black lesbian, you know, from an oppressed village or country or something like that, I'd be a shoe, and you get points for that, right? Um, and military, which I'm, I'm totally 100% for them, given military certs and everything. But, like, if there's 10 military guys, I don't even get on the application.
2: Oh, and I, wow. can
1: have the mo- I can have the most qualified resume, but that's what they explained to me once I actually got the job. Anyways, I got in. I crushed the, crushed the uh, interview and stuff like that. And I had flown a ton around King Salmon for Katmai National Park. And then I had that job, which gave us the push to move to Alaska, live in King Salmon, which we were familiar with a little bit, but it's in the middle of nowhere. And then that was when we finally decided, okay, it's time to buy an airplane because it doesn't make sense to live in Idaho and have an airplane and fly all summer. You're not gonna fly it enough. It won't pencil out. But living up here, it's like living in North Idaho and not having a truck. You just you need one. Yeah. So we got one and that's where we're at.
0: So how long so how long have you been there
1: in Alaska now? So every summer I've worked in Alaska since 2007. When I was a junior in high school I started to come up here to work in the sport fishing industry and then full time just over 6 years gotcha. um, we've lived full time.
0: Gotcha. And so at what point <sighs> At what point did, like when you, when you met your wife and you guys, you know, started dating and and whatnot, were you, was Stuck in the Rut already started or was that something that like you were involved with? I've always been curious about this.
1: No, Travis started Stuck in the Rut in 2010 and I met Tana early, like February 2014. So they've been going, they had been doing some long range stuff. They'd kind of been tied in with Gunworks a little bit um, and just. There was no one really doing the kind of stuff that Travis was seeing on Sportsman's channel and TV and stuff. So he said, well, I'm going to film my own stuff. And everyone's like, oh, we want to go on TV. Well, there's it's, it's a long process to get paid to be on TV and get slots and stuff. So they quickly bailed on that but said, we'll build a platform on YouTube and we'll just put our stuff on there and people can watch it. And, and it it was already happening. They were They had killed stuff for many, many years and um i just saw the fruits of their labor and i wanted to come into the family but i wanted to like be able to hold my own and keep up with these guys and kill stuff and everything too so um yeah that's kind of how it all i what
0: what i really like di- i didn't lose you did i nope I'm okay, here. okay what i really like about stuck in the rut and I, I i told tom this um and i think i told you this before we hit record but like the whole the, the whole premise of stuck in the rut and and the content that you guys put out, it's it, first of all there's a lot of hunting content on YouTube, right? But there's something oh, yeah. there's something unique about the way you guys do it and the way you present it, uh, and and the way like you portray hunting, uh, from it's it's like it's not just something you dabble in like this is your guys's life and and I love people like this that you know our our lives we are connected to nature in ways that most people spend their entire life never even comprehending a tenth of what what you guys do uh you know and yep. and the way you live now tell tell people a little bit about because before I get there tell people a, a little bit about how you live in Alaska like, you know, the, the place you live in and, and how you guys kind of make a living.
1: So we live in a pretty remote place. Alaska only has, like, three roads, and that's not a joke. Some of them are really long roads that span the whole state. and It's the biggest state, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but where we live, um, if you hold your right, your, all your lists are going to do this. It's funny. Hold your right hand all the way out and extend your fingers like you're holding up the number five for your little kid. And that's the shape of Alaska, your right hand. Now, your thumb, where your thumb meets your main part of your palm there that's right where we live on the alaska peninsula so we're southwest of anchorage 300 miles there's no roads alaska airlines flies in here at least once a day sometimes twice a day we have a big runway it's an old air force base or we get stuff barged up so we are rural it's it's bush and there's like 400 people that live in king salmon Just down the road, there's a town called Naknek right on the ocean, and it's like the world's biggest uh, commercial salmon fishery. So in the summer, like right now, it's getting real busy. There's people all over. There's hitchhikers, cannery workers. I mean, it blows up to a huge uh, facility, you know, for the next two months in the summer. Um, And and there's challenges with living in Alaska. The winters suck. You know, it's cold, dark, miserable. You need to go to Cabo or Hawaii or somewhere to get your vitamin D to not be up just utterly depressed all winter. Um, shipping's really hard. You can't get stuff shipped up here. Amazon Prime uh, It takes forever to get here when it does, and it's ridiculously expensive to live here. But the uh, the advantage to that is not being around a lot of people, and I'm allergic to assholes, and so there's not very mm-hmm. many people up there, so the the odds are better that you're not going to run into those.
0: I. I just I, I had this feeling, Adam, that we were going to be buddies, like we were going to hit it off, to, and and you and I are, um, we're we're on the same page with that, and it's that's kind of where I live, where I do, uh, but I'm not as remote as you are, man. I could drive I could drive thirty minutes down the road, and I'm in Sandpoint, Idaho, and they have like Walmart and shit, you know, um, so it's super interesting, super interesting, and uh. What like hunting wise? Tell me a little bit about. Give us like a, a bird's eye view of of what you pursue hunting wise, and and why you pursue it. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I'll just start like right now. Like it's spring bear season. Um, we can kill uh, one up to two bears in some units. Different things. The Alaska Peninsula is like a trophy unit, so that's only open on certain seasons, and it's not this year. Uh, But they're the biggest bears in the world there. I've killed two book bears there in the last
0: six years. Um, Like how, like when you say they're the biggest bears, like how big are we talking, man?
1: uh, I'd say weight wise in the spring, they could go close to a thousand. They obviously gain a lot of weight in the fall because they're eating all that salmon that comes into the fishery um, and all the streams and creeks and everything. Um, you're
0: You're talking brown bears, right? Not, not, not black bears.
1: Yeah, brown yeah. bears. Um, gotcha. There, I mean, there's a lot of stretching that goes on. Guys really pull on hides to get them to 9, 10 feet or whatever. I've never shot a 10-foot bear, but I have I've go by the skulls, and I've shot one bear that grossed right at 28 and an eighth, and then one bear that was like 28 and 13, 16. Um, so we're talking a skull that's, you know, 17 inches long and 11 inches wide minimum, and then goes up from there. Like, that is giant. And you can take a black bear skull Jeez, off a man. 250-pound black bear you can put a black bear skull in the jaws of these brown bear skulls yeah. and like his, his mouth's not even all the way open to fit it in there. It's just, they don't even look real. And so that's a badass hunt, dude. That's scary. Like this thing will almost kill you. It almost killed my wife and Trevor a couple of years ago. It was a big story on that. Um, and so we'll kill brown bears in the spring. Um, I'm fortunate enough to not have to bait black bears anymore because I've done a ton of that in North Idaho and it is freaking tons and tons of work. Um, yes, I've almost is. gotten in many, almost gotten in many fistfights with fricking liberals. Oh, that's, that's just cheating this and that. Or got even hunters who like hunt cornfields for geese. And they think that's fair, but baiting, baiting black bears, nocturnal black bears, to try and kill them is cheating. And that's unrealistic. I hit, and, yeah, um, man,
0: yeah. Let's talk about that for a minute. Cause I had, I had this dude that lives over in Washington and, uh, baits white. There's a
1: problem right there.
0: Yeah, yeah, and he beats whitetail, and he's not a liberal. But if he if he was a liberal, I'd be a lot more harsh about this. But uh, he he beats he beats whitetail, but then he's like giving me shit about baiting black bear, and, and I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't think you understand the concept. Do you know how much freaking work it is to bait a bear? And and I order I order from I don't know where she is in relation to you, but I order a lot of that. Bait Em 907 from up in Alaska. Oh, yeah, from um, Jeff. Yep. Yeah, from Jess. Great stuff. Yeah, it's great stuff, man. And, um, and by the way, guys... Does the post office think you're shipping in weed? Dude, it smells like weed? they call... So last year when, when Jess sent me my package, the post office called me, and they never call me, but they called me up right here in town in Clark Fork. And they're like, dude, we need you to come get this box. I don't know what's in it, but we can't breathe in here. And so I, I go driving down there and I'm not kidding you, man. I smelled the stuff from the parking lot and it's just a little teeny post office, you know, but I I could smell it in the parking lot and they're like, Oh my God, thank God you're here. You got to get this package out of (laughs) here. And you know, and so I get it and, and, and take it back. But, um, I, you know, side, you're
1: smiling the whole time. too, like, this is going to bring me in some bears. Oh, it does. You know? Oh,
0: absolutely. It did. Yep. It did. And I, I loved it. I, I, you know, you can, it allows you to be picky, but it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work packing oh, that yeah. stuff in there. You got to keep up on it. And, uh, yep. anyways, that's, uh, that's one of those things you and I were talking about before we started recording. Like, um, when we're talking about like hunters and these influencers out there that, that like Batum 907 gives me a pro- promo code, right? And and I can give it out to people. My my promo code is like Huntsman or Huntsman Tan. I can't remember what it is for Batum nine hundred seven. But I don't. Yep. I, that is a favor to my listeners. I like Jess doesn't pay me for that. Right? She doesn't like send me a yep. check. It, it is just more of a I I'm a I'm a fan of it. I'm a believer. I've used other stuff and I know it works. And if people want to use it, great. It's no sweat off my back. But I want to talk about that uh, because you had. You talked about how you'd made this post about, you know, people using these promo codes. They're 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 like whoring their th- themselves out to to sell whatever they want just because they they think they're some big hunting influencer. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, let me just spool everyone up because I tell people I'm like the Slim Shady. I have the balls to say it, you know, like in his song. I forgot what the real Slim Shady or whatever. He's like, I just I'm the <laughs> person. With your friends sitting around the dinner table talking about it. And I will say it. I have like one foot in the industry, one foot out. And I'm not tied to anyone. I'm not bought by anyone. I'm not, I don't have to be politically correct. Here's how codes work. Companies reach out to me. I don't seek companies that say, hey, we want you to try our product. And I say, send me one. Cool. If they don't want to send me one, get lost, pal. Because I'm not going to just say, like you said, I'm not going to whore myself out to say, oh, X is awesome. Yeah, but I'm gonna try. Okay, you sent one, cool. I like it. If I don't like it, I say, hey, I don't, I'm not gonna blast you on social media. I say, hey, I think it needs this, this, this. If I like it, I'm like, okay, cool. Let's set up a phone call, let's work something out. And I say, What do you want from me? Because this is a mutual beneficial, mutually beneficial relationship. And they say, We want you to push our product and we want to give you a discount code. That helps your followers, your buddies, whoever use code rut that's like stuck in the ruts biggest one right and we try and just keep it similar yeah and code ruts can save you 10 percent. and so if we're going to sell a hundred dollar product they're going to only pay 90 and then we're going to give you 10 percent, and you're going to make 10 bucks or nine bucks off that so that's really how it works maybe in your case she doesn't pay you she gives you some free bear bait product or maybe it's just a friend deal they're all a little different but it's not like people are getting rich off codes. We don't hardly make anything with all these codes. It's yeah, more man. Of like, like, hey,
0: I'm not quitting my job over my promo codes. That's for sure.
1: Jim, I'm going to make it real simple for one. There's no money in the hunting industry.
2: Yep. Stuck
1: in the rut doesn't make money. We don't get rich off YouTube. We all have different jobs. Tan and I are both entrepreneurs. Travis is in the construction. Tom's into brush grinding and stumps and everything. Like, There's not money in the hunting industry. And people think you're just getting rich from all these codes. I'm like, no, it's more of a benefit to everyone else. If I go, if I go buy some bear baiting stuff, I'm just going to use Huntsman ten or whatever, just because I want to save ten bucks. That's yeah.
0: it. Yeah, it's not. You know? It's not like it's not like we're. I I think that that's a that's a good thing to clarify for a lot of listeners. Like like I have a day job, man. I I drive the entirety of the Pacific Northwest because I'm a I'm a commercial roofing estimator. Right, so I go look at these big high school jobs and hospitals and yep. all this stuff, and I, I do takeoffs and and these huge estimates for for these roof replacements, or new construction or what, whatever. I, I I sit and stare at blueprints, you know that kind of thing, and so it's not like I'm getting rich off of doing that. It it really is more just a beneficial thing. Jess sends me um some free product. I've bought a lot of product from Jess. Uh, but it, it, my biggest thing is I, for, for me personally, Adam, I, I, I make pretty good money at my day job. I, I don't need, I don't need money from Batum 907, but it, it helps with the listeners save 10% and it helps Jess sell more product. Hey, you know what? Just started this company. It's like the American story, uh, the, like the epitome of the American story. Uh, and I think it's a great product. She does a great job. She fulfills, she does what she promises. So I'm good with it. You know, other than that, I think there's a, a lot of shitty, shady bullshit that goes on out there. And, um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not afraid to talk about it.
1: My biggest thing is you'll see, and I, I can't, that's why I told you, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. I'm like an asshole. I'm not even subscribed to this one. I am now. So you better be. sorry. You better but, be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If I'm going to be on it, I better be subscribing. And, um, you listen to a podcast, and it's literally the first 12 minutes are ads, 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 ads. But then I go back to a year ago, they're all different ads. So was it Crispy's or Trucks? Was that the best boot? Was it Havilon or Benchmade? Was that the best knife? Was it this supplement or this supplement? Which game bags are the best? Because you told me these are the best, and now these guys offer 12% instead of 10% kickback on an affiliate link. Like, what is the best? And yeah. so for us, we really, really are shy that's why we don't make any money you got stuck in the rut you shouldn't be doing this you shouldn't be doing that you should be getting all this money we're not sellouts we're never going to be sellouts you know we're not we don't sign contracts we do handshake deals we work with really really top tier companies hey use our stuff we want you to use it because we know it works and we want you to show the people that watch you that it works you know and so those are the kind of deals we want to do
2: It's
0: so interesting too, because like I was telling you, man, like stuck in the rut, you guys are some of the most prolifically successful hunters that I personally know. You know, I, I, I personally know you guys, I know you, I know Tom, you know, what's interesting like in, in North Idaho and Bonner, Bonner County here, they're having like the Idaho fishing game, uh, comment period where they do the live in person kind of thing where you show up and you talk to the biologists or whatever, you know what? the few people that actually showed up, keep in mind, this is a unit or this is a region that has roughly 20,000 hunters in it. Who was there? Me, Tom Schneider, um, Justin Webb, Justin Webb was there. And like a few other people that I didn't really know, but out of 20,000 yep. people, they, they had ordered like a hundred pizzas and like 10 of the boxes had been open um, it it was a it was a disappointment because people have such big freaking opinions on social media about what the fishing game should be doing but nobody's showing up to these meetings to talk about it. And and that drives me freaking batty. Like don't bitch about things. It's, it's it's like the same thing when people are like bitching about oh, you know, Joe Biden sucks. You know, okay, well did you show up and vote? Did you go vote? No, nope, you didn't. Okay, so <coughs> Why are you Why are you talking about how bad Joe Biden sucks? If, if you didn't well, show here. up and vote, you know what I mean.
1: You didn't. If you didn't vote, you're a coward. But uh, that's plain and simple. But yeah,
2: yeah. The seriously. Was, the
1: problem is, it's kind of what my dad said. There's a big difference between talking and doing. Everyone wants to open their cocksucker on Instagram, right, and bitch about this and this and this and this. Hide behind a screen, but when it comes time to like pay up, get off work early, go to this, miss your kid's soccer game, and actually sit down. And give your public comments. We have the same thing in Alaska where you can write a proposal and present it to the board of game. And I've done that. It's very rare they get passed, you know, because there's a lot of things that have to fall into place, and there's a lot of lobbying and different things like that, from the commercial interest on the hunting side. For sure. But you have to you have to at least you don't have a bitch if you haven't tried. You know, you can't you can't bitch about some board of some organization they're not doing good if you're not willing to step up and sit on the board of trapping or you know foundational wildlife management or something like that you know put your money where your mouth is that's what i tell people but people just want to sit there and squawk it's easy
0: it was funny the The first time you and i met man um was at an f4wm banquet and i actually you were sitting with i, I was hanging out with steve johnson and oh, yeah. um i th- i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure my steve buddy jacob, jacob, jacob denham right was there up. right yeah, I think so. I, I'm pretty sure Jacob was there. And a, anyways, I was sitting next to you, and I'm like, I know this dude from somewhere, but I don't know where. I, I know him from somewhere. And then, it, then it like finally hit me when Steve told told me who you were. Um, and and it's that kind of stuff. You know, you you live in Alaska, but you're you're sitting there in an Idaho F4WM Foundation for Wildlife Management uh, banquet, and we're shooting the shit and and hit it off. And I I just thought it was cool. It, it just kind of it, talk, it it kind of expresses or highlights the people that want to choose to be involved in getting off their ass and doing something for the future of hunting and for conservation and, and, and controlling wolves um, versus those people that are just like talk a lot of shit on, on social media and don't do anything about it.
1: I think it's a direct correlation, man, of the the guys that are there going to banquets, supporting those organizations doing the volunteer work, going to archery shoots. Those are the guys in the top 5% that are killers. Everyone else just likes to sit and bitch. Oh, they must be poaching, or they must be doing this, or they must be spotlighting, you know. Those guys like oh, to yeah. sit and
0: bitch once again,
1: running their mouth because they can't kill anything kind of deal, you know.
0: Well, it's all, the, you know, like the fish and game agencies, of, and I don't care what state it is, they're always like this easy target for people. They're like, well, I didn't get an elk this year because of the, you know, Idaho fishing game or the Montana Parks and Rec or, or whatever they're called over there, or Colorado, you, you know, Alaska. It doesn't matter what this, you know, name your state agency. That's that's always an easy target yep. is it's, it's the fishing, they don't manage them right. Okay. How many, how many... How many meetings have you been to? How many comment periods have you actually done? How many banquets have you attended? how How much time have you actually put into this outside of you bought a new rifle, you went out, you didn't see shit because you 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 can't really get where the elk are or the deer are or whatever. And you never never left more than a
1: quarter mile from the road. Yeah,
0: you you ride around on your ATV and and bugle into a drainage from the dirt road. And and there's no elk that are bugling back because they know where the dirt roads are, so they're not that fucking dumb. And and then you bitch about the, the fish and game agencies not doing their job. I don't know. No,
1: and then you see Tom Schneider packing a bull off the mountain solo. Hey, how's it going? It's yeah, like a right? bitch,
0: right? <laughs> <laughs> You know, you know he's a great what what cracks me up with Tom man man he can find some mule deer here in North Idaho those are hard man i put in the effort i cannot find mule deer like he can like he finds some I, I won't tanks. put in the
2: effort
1: I yeah just, yeah i'm sorry i won't do it tom will go 14 days in a row and his his version of success is i saw one buck today he'll be 3 days like oh only saw a buck truck. i think it was a good one i'm just like dude <laughs> Seriously, you're gonna hike your balls off all day up and down nut deep snow to see one buck, and that's considered your winning. I'm sorry, <laughs> does, but he'll man. go 24 days, and then he kills a cranker. And it's like, okay, yeah, well, it yeah, works. Tom Snyder gets another giant mule deer. Well, go figure.
0: No kidding, man. He does, man. He and he does. He gets a cranker, and it's like what what I like about Me it, too. man. Yeah. He'll, he'll take, he'll take that applicable stuff that he knows and he'll go to Colorado and do the same damn thing. You know, like it's, he's, he's on opening
1: day. Yeah. I don't know.
0: Like he's just solid, man. I love it. I love it. And so I want to talk about, I want to talk about this flying thing for a minute, man. I, I have.
1: That's one of my very few skills. So I can, I can talk for a while about that.
0: Well, I, it's it's one of those things. It's like this mythical thing to a lot of people, and and I'm included in this. Where, you know, I I I really, and this this doesn't even have anything to do with hunting. I wanted to get my um, my pilot license to fly single engine planes around uh, Idaho, Utah, and Colorado. Or I'm sorry, not not Colorado, Idaho, Utah, and Wyoming, because I had this job. This was years ago. This was like a decade ago where i had to i had to, i was like this territory manager for a roofing manufacturer and i had to cover all this ground to inspect all these roofs and and do this crazy you know thing and i thought you know if i could fly a single engine plane to all these different locations it would really cut down on my time um and what i would do is i i would drive to all these different places like remote wyoming and i'd take my fly rod and i'd catch a bunch of fish or or I'd get a you know a tag and go hunting or whatever while I was over there. But it was a lot, like year-round. And so I thought about getting my pilot's license. Yep. Well, then my wife, she's like terrified of single-engine planes because there was like two bad things that happened uh, during this time frame uh, that was all over the news with, with these little planes or whatever. So she, she's just like terrified. It's all get out. Still to this day, I can't talk her into letting me take flight lessons. Anyways, the point being that never materialized and I moved back to north idaho um and i i look at somebody like you who gets in these little planes you fly all over alaska and and like it's risky as fuck like some of that stuff is risky right talk to me a little bit about yeah, that you lifestyle can, you
1: can you can leave your fat ass eating a bag of cheetos on the couch and choke and die so if i go out, I'm going out on yeah. and going out the freaking bank dude you know that's what i tell people Um, flying in Alaska is extremely dangerous. If you don't have, I guess, the right attitude, a set of guidelines, everything like that. Here's a really good example. Like my six year old knows this. People die every year because they don't know this. They they know they don't follow it. And I say, honey, where do the mountains hide? And she goes in the clouds, daddy. So if we fly into the clouds, because we're coming back from a sheep hunt, you need to get home for a wedding or to inspect the roof or whatever and we have what's called get-there-itis, and we need to get back to Fairbanks, Anchorage, whatever, and we just can't quite see through the past what I've been through 100 times. We'll just scoot through on the GPS. That's how you die. And it's pretty easy to hit a mountain when you're just flying through the clouds, and all of a sudden, boom, there it is. If you can see, it's pretty hard to fly right into the side of a mountain. So that's that's what kills people. It's the pilot air that kills people. It's very, very – it's like 1.2% is mechanical – or something that actually happened. It's weather and pilot error, and the weather is also pilot error because you pushed it when you should go. So that's totally. the scary part. Totally, that's and the- that's
0: exactly what happened. Like, when I was, I was getting serious, I got all the brochures, I had talked to the flight instructor, and, like, we were living – I had taken this job, this job that I was telling you about, where I covered Utah, Wyoming, and Idaho. Um, I had taken this job. It was in Salt Lake City. So we moved back down to Utah. And, and I took t- took this job. So I'm looking at all these these flight schools out of Heber, Utah. And what happened was these, like, teenagers got drunk as fuck. And they went and got in a plane in St. George, Utah, down, you know, s- southern Utah. They they get in the plane and they take off, but it crashes, like, at the end of the runway or whatever and kills all four of them. Well, I and- don't think right and and so my but but at the time it's all over in the news you know four pilots killed you know blah 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 in a single engine plane so my wife's just shitting her britches about me you know taking flight lessons so that but the, it, it goes to it, it goes to exactly what you said man and like it's got to be pilot error because these things are pretty these these planes are pretty solid right
1: yeah i just uh i mean I mean, I've bent them, I've wrecked them, all kinds of stuff. Um, I'm never flying more than 500 feet above the ground. Usually it's about 200 feet above the ground because that's where all the animals did are. Cool you just... see stuff,
2: you know? Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, I mean, I just spent 35 grand just in parts on a motor. I had a motor go out. Um, luckily, it didn't just grenade on me, but I w- it was showing signs of wear and had, had some scary stuff. So I did an emergency landing and... Flew home, and then we pulled a cylinder off and had a crack inside the case right off the crank. And so that, like, the engine's dead. My buddy's like, okay, I'm going to kill the engine. You're done. Send it in to me. He's going to rebuild it. I have an all-star of a buddy who's just a freakishly, amazingly good with motors, and he built me a hot rod motor, turned it super fast. Um, but, I mean, these parts are held to standard. Each cylinder has two spark plugs. There's a lot of redundant features, two magnetos. Very well thought out, and it's not very common at all for an airplane just to be going and cruise, and then boom, just quits. There's yeah. usually signs of wear if you know what. Doesn't really have much of anyway. I can't. Um, you, you, was, you
0: cut out there for a minute. There, there's signs. There's signs of wear, and then, and then you cut out there.
1: Yeah, I mean, like Lycoming, the engine manufacturer, they tell you like. Abnormal oil consumption or a change in oil consumption is going to usually give you an indication that something's happening in your motor. Like, you know, your cam lobes are getting worn or there's corrosion on a lifter or something like that. Something isn't right, you know? And so I, I like, I don't keep a check anything anymore, but I have notes in my iPhone of how much oil I put in at what time frame, how many hours I fly to the next court when it gets down a court and I need to add it. And so I keep track of all that stuff just to hopefully mitigate some of that. So it's not like the airplane is just going to grenade on you in the middle of the sky. Mine should have. My buddy, he's like, I don't know how you made this thing home. Like it should have not ran, but it did. And I, I flew home nice and high 3000 feet that time. Cause I didn't know if it was going to just quit running. Um, but you're in the middle of nowhere and it's February and it's going to get down to negative six that night. And I'm like, well, this looks like a pretty shitty situation. I'm just going to fly home and hope she works. Right.
0: So, if you're flying at like three thousand feet, is a goal with that? You know the the engine's giving you a little bit of a hard time. If you're that high, you can kind of glide it into a spot. You have more time. Yeah. To...
1: Yeah, you can lose you can lose the complete power of the engine. Push the stick down and basically use the airplane's weight to put air over the wings and fly down to a frozen lake or frozen meadow. And so, by me flying at three thousand feet, I could cross any patch of trees and glide to an open snowy area. And, and I might wreck it somehow, rip the gear off or anything, but at least I'm not going to flip it on the trees and catch on fire and burn to death. I can just have a little fender bender and I'm walking away. So that's the goal, you know. Who
2: who
0: was that guy? You remember the show Mountain Men? A little bit, yep. There was a guy up there, Marty. That's his name, Marty. Yep. Uh, he He had that little yellow plane. So I had him on the show. Um, a couple of years ago, uh and he's yep. a big time, you know, Alaskan trapper or whatever. Is that similar to like the plane you're using?
1: I think he had a Cub, yeah, Super Cub. I mean, it's tiny. Like, pilot sits in front, the passenger sits right behind him, and that's it. You got a little room for a duffel bag behind you, and then, you know, mine has a belly pod, which is just cargo for underneath the belly of the airplane, and then everything else is getting strapped to the outside because we are out of room. So, like, it how much light-tight. how
0: much weight can you strap to this plane and fly safely?
1: Um, like to the outside,
2: mm-hmm.
0: both
1: inside um, and outside. I, I can do two wolves aside, which is you know, I mean, average like seventy five, eighty pounds or whatever.
2: Sure.
1: Um, put a, put a bunch of stuff in the belly pod. I mean, they all have they all have max limits. Um, of what the airplane is certified to hold and has been tested to hold and everything like that. And mine's up to like twenty three hundred, and the empty weight's twelve fifty. So I can carry over a thousand pounds. That's me gear gas and everything um you just need a lot more real estate and it flies a lot different you know it's like pulling a loaded 20000 pound trailer with your truck versus an empty trailer it's like everything happens slower and you need more power and um more time to react to certain situations but i mean it'll do it you just need a lot of room they're just cubs are hard because they're so small they bulk out so you know you can take a you can take a moose out in two trips and then the last trip you get your buddy in the moose rack and the backpacks and then you fly out so it takes three trips to get a moose out
0: You like what strap your buddy to the wing or something and fly him out or No they don't think
1: it's cold out there you strap the moose <laughs> rack to the wing and fly it out or whatever but I mean it's it's the iconic hunting plane of Alaska cuz they don't do anything well they don't they're not fast Um, they're not super fuel efficient, um, but they can fly low and they can fly slow and get into short spots, places that no one would ever consider suitable to take an airplane, which is where I really like to thrive and think I can, I really set myself apart is taking airplanes, my super specifically where it's not, it's not meant to go. And, you know, I'm still breaking tubes in the tail and getting welded and gussets and everything. I just had it welded like a week ago because I found a new tube snap back there um, but I've been on hunts with buddies and so yeah, I killed a moose over there. I'm like, where'd you land? I'm like, Oh, just that little strip right there. I'm like, what strip? I don't see an air strip, I'm like, well, just that little patch of tundra. And they're like, what the hell are you talking about? And so <laughs> but that's I was gonna say, that's like someone practicing with their bow every day to a hundred yards so they can shoot fifty. I fly pretty much every day, and it's all a skill set to take me to hunting grounds where other people can't access, So there's not a lake, there's not an airstrip, and I've perfected a craft where I know I can get in there and I can, I can kill an animal. I can also get out of there, and it's an untouched region or something like that. So that's just a tool in my tool bag that I'll use to help set myself apart.
0: So where, like, where you live, do you just, like, park your plane right there at home or something? Like, this is intriguing stuff, man.
1: No, I... Uh, King Salmon has a 10,000 foot asphalt runway, but the big tires we use, each tire costs $2,000. So it's like, it makes Toyos seem cheap. Um, And they don't, it's a really soft rubber compound. You know, you only run four pounds of air in them. So they'll flex over um, uneven ground, big rocks, different things, holes, logs, but they're really susceptible to wear on pavement. So you don't want to land on pavement. I have it at a private strip that pretty much my adopted dad, owns and he lives out here a buddy of mine and then i bought a lot from him and then i spent every dollar i had and borrowed a bunch of money and built a hangar house out there so we're not finished it's just dried in but i have a 50 by 50 hangar, so it's like a full wide span shop and then a house attached to that and a big 44 foot door um which is huge every guy wants a shop and it's amazing to have to pull a skid steer in there pick up to work on it I have a hoist because I have like a double truss uh, 12 feet back from the door to lift the airplane or lift the engine off the airplane. I mean, it's just, it's really cool. But the fact that keep your airplane inside there in the winter and not have to worry about it getting snowed on or icy or anything like that, I mean, it's a game changer. It's awesome.
0: I, uh, it's, it's like this lifestyle that is, is so foreign to a lot of people. You know what I mean? Like you have this access, you're a pilot. You've got the plane. You can get into the areas like you said uh, that other hunters can't access, and and that's that's interesting. It, it's it's intriguing. Um, but that takes that takes a lot of nuts. It does. It okay. takes, a, dude. That's what that's what I'm getting at. I think it takes a lot of nuts, and and I think it takes it takes a different breed that is willing to kind of have that higher. Um, what do they call that when you're like an investor and you have a higher risk uh, aversion or whatever? You're you're willing to risk more versus risking less. Like I think that's the same thing. When when you're, high
2: risk tolerance, yeah, high yeah, risk tolerance,
0: be, yeah. That's that's a good. That way would to put be it. me,
1: but I I don't think about the negative. I I mean, for me, before I go on a moose hunt, I have it written down where I want to go where I've flown over, where I've seen. I don't care about the bulls. Like I can see the bulls up in the hills. I want to know where the cows are. Because just like kind it doesn't matter where you're going to find a bull September 1st. He ain't going to be there September 15th when you go in there. You want to find where the cows are, yeah. where those bulls are going to come in. And so I've done all my preseason scouting. I've landed all the places I can potentially go. I know where I'm going to keep my camp, where I'm going to keep the airplane, and where I can glass from. And then I'm going to know five other areas around that that I can land. So if I, I mean, the rule of moose is you only want to pack a mile. So Most guys are staying a mile from the airstrip. I'll walk five miles away, kill a moose, and then I'll just go land over there because I know there's a spot I can land that I've pre-scouted and I envision the whole hunt in my head close to how I see it going. And then when I'm setting up on final land, exactly where I'm going to touch down, exactly where I'll be stopped by and exactly how I'll also get out of there because that's also a ticket to, you can land places that are, too small for you to take off again and so i play this movie in my head and if it doesn't go exactly how i planned i get very upset because i'm my own worst critic but 99.9 percent of the time it it ends up working just like that and people think i just get lucky i'm like no i work every day for this like this is what i do is flying airplanes and killing stuff and i'm good at both (laughs) those i'm damn good and they they work really well together in alaska don't have many other skills but those two things work really well together and i'm i'm obsessed with both of them and so i really like doing them and i do them every day
0: what you know somebody like you man i i just i have so much respect for you know it's it's such a it's such a taken like the lifestyle that i live here in north idaho you like take it to the next level you know what I mean? Because it's Alaska, man. I mean, that come on, it's Alaska. It's, and, and it's it, pretty big, man. Ta- talk about that. Talk so, about the well. difference between like you grew up in North Idaho. You hunted elk. You hunted wolves. You hunted, uh, you know, deer here in North Idaho or whatever. Uh, what What's the difference between like some dude like me just kind of making his way through North Idaho versus hunting in uh, Alaska?
1: Oh, man, there's a lot. Um, For one, you guys have things called roads. Um, So when I hunt the lower 48 or outside, as we call it in Alaska, and go hunt outside, hunted three states outside last year. Um, It's fascinating to me. You guys have a truck. So we can go out and we can get wet. I don't need tons of rain. I don't need rain pants. If I get soaked, we're just going to come back to the truck, start the heater, and I'll warm up. If we can get wet in Alaska, you can get wet, you can die. Pretty easy, you know? Um, It'll snow in August in the brooks and go to full-on winter and cover the airplane with snow. That kind of stuff is just normal. Um, If you're hunting north Idaho, walk downhill. You'll hit water, and eventually you're going to find a road. You don't find roads up here. They're never going to find your body if you start walking away from your airplane because something isn't right. Um, Bears really aren't an issue. If you have an issue with bear, just kill it, is my theory. Um... It's more of the weather. The weather can just be horrendous, and you can be stuck in a tent for four days, and the pilot might not be able to come get you and all kinds of stuff. I mean, there's a lot of logistical problems. The hunting, I tell people, isn't hard. Like, actually seeing an animal, making a stock and killing it, not nearly as hard as a big, smart mule deer or a herd bull with cows or something like that, but it's the logistics and the weather is just makes Alaska really, really difficult. Um, and... Yeah, like like for me, right? Everyone thinks it must be nice. Oh, it must be nice to have a freaking super I'm like, yeah, it is, but I can't go and hunt for two weeks, right? I'm watching the weather. I know where I'm going to be. I know where I want to moose hunt, where I've seen moose in the past, where I've hunted moose, where the cows are, where the bull should be, and I'm going in for three days, right? And I can't hunt till the next day because you can't fly and hunt the same day. But I need to fly into a spot that's suitable to land, with all my stuff, pack my water in because usually I'm not down in the creeks and stuff because you can't really land down there by all the trees.
2: Sure. And I
1: want to find a place that I can tie my airplane up into to some kind of brush or stake it down so it's not going to blow off the side of the mountain, put a bear fence around it, set up a tent, do everything, and then hopefully that two- to three-day stretch of weather is going to hold and I can make it happen. What, you know?
0: the, what the fuck? you you got to put a bear fence around the plane? Well, I mean, it's
1: it's a $100,000 investment, but that's your only ride home. And the places I'm going, my buddies aren't aren't coming in there, and they've told me that. So, like, that sounds cocky, but it's just the truth, right? And so they're not going to take an airplane in there. So I'm either punching the helicopter button or they're going to airdrop me parts. And when you start mixing helicopters and hunting in Alaska, it's really convoluted. You can't do that unless it's like a search and rescue mission, and we're picking you up, and you can't even bring your rifle out um for an extraction so wow i don't want to i don't want to cross that bridge and i don't care so much about the bear um it bears like a buddy of mine's outfitter up here he said at one time he's like you know he'll have clients and stuff oh there's a bear outside the tent he's like okay cool go back to sleep that's what they're supposed to be if they're inside the tent wake me up and i'll handle it that's my theory <laughs> but the airplane when we leave for the day or we leave for a four to five day stretch of good weather on a sheep hunt i can't babysit that airplane you know, i got to tie down good and everything like that. If a bear wants to come play with it, I and if any bear will be able to get through the bear fence, I just want to maybe deter a young curious one. He licks his nose and puts it on there and, you know, lights up Dr. Watts and hopefully runs the other way.
2: Yeah, if they want yeah. it,
1: they're, they're getting in. So I keep my food in the dry bag, you know, close to the edge of the fence. So if they want it, they're just going to swat it and take the food and, We'll figure that problem out, but I don't want the airplane or the tires destroyed, or the side ripped open, or a wing bent, or something like that, because then we got some real problems.
0: This is nuts. Okay, so I, I'm curious about something you said earlier, like way earlier. Um, What's that? Wolves, man. You guys, you guys have a different dynamic when it comes to wolves versus like Idaho wolves versus Montana and Wyoming wolves. We've got this issue of you know uh, we're they're talking about releasing wolves into, into Colorado and the Colorado disastrous wolf management plan that, that has come out recently or whatever. Um, can you give us like a culturally? I, I'm I'm ta- I'm talking culturally, like you know in Idaho, you, you drive around North Idaho. I don't care if you're in Bonners Ferry or if you're in Sandpoint or Coeur d'Alene or what whatever. You drive around, you see people, they have these, like, smoke a pack a day or shoot, shovel, shut up. You know, there's this culture around wolves. People hate wolves here in North you know Idaho. You funny? I,
1: My parents are the ones uh, that you see at, like, the sportsman show in Spokane. They're the ones that sell those decals. I grew up in yeah, that business.
2: Yeah. They're the and ones so, that sell
1: those stickers. Yeah.
0: So I'm curious to, like, talk about the contrast between that cultural side of it because, I, I, you know— I, i'm with them I, I i understand that that mindset i understand the frustration we have with wolves uh and i i understand i i, I want i want wolves managed at a at a very um effective level if, if that makes sense and i think i think Tom uh you know does your brother-in-law i think he does a great job uh I think my buddy Jacob He's Dannem, the best
1: mistake yeah, I mean, I, th- I think he is. Or it's calling him in. Like call him he's in, got
0: the record. Exactly. He's he calls him in. Uh he's he's one of the most effective Idaho wolf hunters that I know of. And then you have trappers. You know, you have Justin Webb, you have you have these other guys that are really good at trapping wolves.
1: But anyway, that, that guys that don't want to be mentioned, but they are killers. Exactly. Yeah. We know exactly. that's probably some of the things. And Justin,
0: he yep. does not he doesn't want any of the glory. But um, I, he, he deserves the glory, if that makes sense. But I'm just, I, I'm curious I just about... I think
1: Justin, he, he, he'll say it. He's not the best trapper, but I see Justin there at every single meeting, sticking his hand into a wolf trap, holding it up, telling people, like, he is the guy on the front lines. And that, that takes a special kind of person to take that kind of heat. It also takes a special kind of person to check wolf traps every two days. Mm-hmm. You know, but Justin, Justin's doing the part of many people.
2: Justin, As a a, of
0: that he he puts the work in, he puts the effort in, he puts the passion where it belongs. Uh, he's not afraid to um, go up against these anti-wolf hunting, anti-wolf trapping uh, organizations or, or folks that that want to give him a hard time. Yeah, you, know, you, you know he he does a great job. I, I'm I'm a huge supporter of of Justin Webb and the F4WM. I'm curious about. I'm the a contract. member, and I live in Alaska. Yeah. yeah, I know, man. I know. That that's cool. It's 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 such a cool thing. But I'm I'm super curious about like the contrast between the mentality yeah. of wolves versus like Alaska's always had wolves. There was never a period yep. where Alaska went without wolves and then they reintroduced them and now we gotta deal with the wolves, the repercussions, and all that kind of stuff. Like, what's the difference between that? Because you've lived in both places, so you have this unique perspective between Idaho wolves versus Alaska wolves and kind of what the, I don't know, mentality, the cultural thing, um, what, what's the biggest difference in your, in your mind?
1: So coming from Idaho, there's a deep hatred for wolves, right? Because we had phenomenal elk hunting. It was good. You couldn't glass much, but there was big bulls. There was a lot of elk. you get multiple responses in every drainage. Now you can walk for nine ridges and not hear a bugle, and the elk that are there don't even want a bugle. So it's hunters, guys wanting to feed their families, guys that just love elk hunting, deer hunting, mountain lions, and they kill everything. Um, I have a deep-rooted hatred for wolves because of that. On the flip side, they're one of the animals I respect the most. They're one of the smartest animals that have, like, seven different senses. I've had them stick their face right in a snare and, like, ready to go through it back up take a piss on it and it's just so frustrating right um coming to alaska they're kind of seen as like lower 48 we'll people see the coyotes the coyotes have just been around coyotes kill fawns right it happens we shoot coyotes when we see them we pull over we trap coyotes guys used to poison coyotes that seems more the mentality the difference of alaska is the ungulates the moose and the caribou that those wolves are killing and two wolves I fly a lot of time on skis in the winter, tracking wolves to see where the kills are so I can set snares on them and trap them and looking for Wolverine sign for trapping. two wolves will kill any moose. They'll take a 70 inch moose down. No problem. Three, four up to a pack of eight that we trapped this year. That's just playing. I mean, you get one on each hamstring, a couple on the nose and the other are just there to watch and have fun and learn how to kill a moose. Right. So two wolves can kill anything. One single bit, but a caribou, no problem. Um, they'll just rip their guts right out as they're running and they'll eat half of it in one sitting. Um, the wolves here and the people of Alaska, I don't want to speak for everyone, but I'm just by presumption or assumption everyone has. They're kind of like coyotes, but it's different because that's our food. And where we live, I can't just go buy beef. You know, everyone goes, Oh, you wear a coo, in a rich super cup pilot. You don't need to hunt. I'm like, Well, actually, I do because we eat about three to 4,000 pounds of meat a year and I can't just go to the store and buy it. It's not available. And if it is, Ground beef is like $25 a pound. I can't feed my kids four pounds of that every night and expect to not go broke. Holy and so crap, that,
0: man. Did you say $25 a pound for ground beef?
1: It could be. It's it's crazy here if they even have it. I mean, it's just like Cause it's they, not That's because they have to like
0: import it kind of thing?
1: It's flown in, yeah. yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. it's trucked to anchorage, okay. and then it's flown in here, and... Yeah, but then put yourself somewhere even more remote where they, they barely even have a post office, right? Mm. Um, you're getting rice and flour and stuff, and then like you live a subsistence lifestyle of fish. Some people still run a fish wheel up here. We have a subsistence net, but the wolves we're talking about are competing with the ungulates, the moose and the caribou, and our caribou populations are pretty pretty bad right now, and that's due to a lot. I talk a lot, to like we were talking about how involved you are. I talk to multiple biologists, Throughout the year and stuff, and the consensus is moose calves are hammered by brown bears. You know, the first thirty days, brown bears, those big old boars, they go where the cows calf, usually out on an island. You know, and they'll swim out into the island and they'll sniff down the moose calf and they'll take it and have a bear and have a snack and then go to the next one and just go one after another after another. Wolves are hammering the caribou calves, and the caribou calf mortality is ninety percent within the first six months. Wow. And they ninety the percent. Yeah, and the majority of that's coming from wolf predation. you know. So if an adult wolf can take down a full-grown caribou bull cow and bite him in the guts and then rip the paunch out, what the caribou calf, are cute, they're super cute little babies, they're just about dropping on the ground right now, what can a young pup do? That's how they learn to kill. They just go out and they grab these snacks, and the caribou can't defend the baby. They can't run. They're brand new, and they're stuck wide out in the open. Caribou live... Like antelope, where they can see for a long time. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a slaughter fest, you know. Yeah. You see that as competition of direct competition of food and many units. You don't need a tag, and you can shoot ten a day all year. No, I think it's close. They have to close it for like two months to leave the wolf huggers uh, happy, you know, because they would get all spooled up if you could kill them during breeding season and stuff like that. But
2: yeah, well,
0: uh, or it.
1: sorry, like denning season. You
0: know, Idaho didn't give a shit about the wolf huggers. This It's like 12 months, man. <laughs> yeah. They just changed, which is, which is great.
2: Yeah. It, yeah. it is good.
0: It, it's a good thing because I, I don't think, you know, like these wolf huggers, I, I like that term. I'm going to, I'm going to totally plagiarize that term that you just. You, Duck
1: in the Red has a sweatshirt and it's me carrying a wolf over my shoulder. And it says wolf hugger. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> that's the best way to do it. I love hugging wolves. <laughs> no, that's great,
0: man. I I think that that's um I don't know it speaks to the different mentalities of different regions that have different reactions to wolves and and what they are and so it's interesting to hear somebody talk about how you know wolves up here they're 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 more like coyotes uh you know they're like this nuisance thing uh but 90% calf kill rate on caribou is crazy yeah. man like that's crazy
1: That's straight from biologists what they tell me
0: Yeah yeah, no, I, I, and I, I, I believe you. I, I believe you. So, um, do you have any um, for our Colorado listeners? Do you have any uh, advice for Coloradans that are about to experience the so-called reintroduction of wolves in the state of Colorado?
1: Well, for one, I, I did my whole college uh, thesis paper on this. It's not a reintroduction. We're talking about a introduction because re means again these are these are some non-native subspecies of wolves they pulled the idaho ones from like the mckenzie river valley and stuff like that i don't know all the specifics but that's all the research and
0: like 25 so pages d- on this adam does that mean like like the the wolves that were in idaho were timber wolves and these are these are rocky mountain gray wolves or or something
1: yeah totally uh, totally different totally we're talking different. like a big coyote for, big for old, a timber wolf
0: yeah yeah,
1: and a gray wolf, I mean, like, a big yeah, bitch I'm is, sorry. like, 80 pounds.
0: Canadian gray wolf. I, I, I mispronounce that. Yeah, but,
1: I mean, like, a big... People get misconstrued, too. Like, a big bitch is, like, 80 pounds, and then, you know, a big male is 100. Our, our biggest wolf we ever weighed is 126 pounds. I think it was full stomach full of caribou and stuff. So the whole 150, 200-pound wolf thing is a bunch of shit. But um, the people in Colorado, like, yeah. you guys are just straight-up. You're straight-up. I mean... Look at Idaho. Idaho is a perfect example of taking an opportunity state for ungulates. Not a trophy state, but there's some good bulls. Not anymore. You know, you can't just say, oh, Idaho, there's going to be a 400-inch every five years coming out of Idaho. You don't have that because those elk calves getting killed in seven years would be a cranker bull, but not anymore. Um, Colorado, it's it's bound to happen, and that's because the Democrats in Denver and everything like that carry the majority of the vote, and I think it's, it's voted in. Like, it's going to happen. So unless they – bring strychnine and poison the wolves that they put in there, which would be like a federal crime, there's no way you're going to save it. And there's already wolves kind of filtered in from, you know, here and there. But once Yeah, they they're put coming them in, from Wyoming. Yeah, but once they put them in, these, the deer and the elk, I mean, even the animals, they've, they've grown up with these giant saber-toothed tigers that can float on top of the snow and run them down and hunt in packs and have amazing eyesight. They hunt a lot by eyesight, you know, when they walk on top of these creeks and banks and look down for moose and caribou and stuff like that, and they're extremely effective killers. I mean, they are, like I said, if they see something, they, it's not an if. They will kill it. Um, now, we've trapped wolves that have their skulls crushed in and They're still alive because they take a moose hoof to the face. But once those deer and elk see that, it's going to be like the worst movie nightmare you could imagine with like humans having like these giant spiders all around. That's what those wolves are, and they run in packs. It's not a singular. So it's not like a mountain lion and a mule deer have this thing where they' got to watch out now there's like eight mountain lions, yeah, but they howl and they hunt together and they know how, and they love to kill for fun and so and the other
0: yeah. you know the dynamic with that the the other little added layer that is going to be fun for Colorado is these the 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 elk in Colorado have no idea to be fearful of the wolves. They don't know what they are, right? This is a new thing. It's like okay, it's a canine kind of th- thing like a coyote, we'd need to be, you know, cognizant of its presence. We need to know it's there, blah blah blah. But coyotes don't actively hunt elk, right? Th- that's not a no. thing. And so the wolf does. And so when they relate that to okay, it's just like this big ass coyote, and this is what happened in Idaho. Is, oh, they'll kill everything, dude! It's, yeah, not the, the, that. it's like fucking scorched earth, and and so these these elk they they don't understand that they need to be very aware of this wolf. They they don't know it. They haven't had to run. They haven't had to relocate. They haven't had to do anything because of these wolves. So they're 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 coming into Idaho, and and or I'm sorry, they're coming into Colorado and now all of a sudden these these elk that don't know shit about wolves and and how the predation works with with that dynamic between wolf and elk a lot of like there's going to be a major number that is affected by the wolf within the first 2 years like it's going to be this big thing oh, it's yeah. going to take the elk a long time to figure out okay these wolves they really fuck us up we got to go right
1: it, it, Elk have to rethink how they are wired. They are wired to breed and bugle and mate Yep. for that short amount of time in September, that magical 10-day period, and there's probably only like three to four days of penetration that actually goes down. Now they can't do that, and they're going to get decimated until the younger ones start seeing it happen and the herd bulls get taken down. Say, okay, we can't bugle. Bugle, Joe died. Bugle, Frank died. So we can't do that now I have to go downwind and look for cows silently and that's gonna take some time that's what Idaho had to do and unfortunately it's gonna it's gonna dive it's gonna dive really yeah. far down until they finally open traffic and hunting seasons and then they might in 10 to 15 years get a handle on it a little bit just like Idaho and we'll start to see some ungulates come back but then the roadless areas like the and the Selway of Idaho you're done. I mean, like it's a ghost town. I got an,
0: I got an interesting question for you. I want to throw like a scenario at you, man. You, you cool with that? Let's hear it. Okay. I got to think of the scenario though. Okay. You're, you live in Alaska. So let's say you fly to Mexico to get some, you'd mentioned earlier that you like to go to Mexico to get some vitamin D in the winter. Not a lot of sun in Alaska.
2: Love tacos.
0: tacos. Tacos, right? tacos and vitamin d is the goal so you you fly to i don't know mazatlan and and uh you're hanging out on the beach you know you know how they put those lounge chairs in those resort areas like right next to each other like everybody's right up in your shit right that's why i don't like going to them but everybody's yep. up 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 in your shit so you're sitting there and you're like okay i want some tacos and i'm hanging out on the beach And some like major animal rights activist sits down and they're like, you know, wolf above everything. And they start telling you about how great it is that we're going to reintroduce these wolves into Colorado. And there's going to be such peace and harmony in the world because of these wolves living on the Colorado landscape. (laughs) <laughs> and um y- you know how evil it would be to have hunters and trappers go out and and remove these wolves from the pillar that they set themselves on are you tracking Oh yeah oh, okay I'm compiling my thoughts and 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 you're sitting there and you're listening to this individual talk about this and 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 you ask them you know where where do you live you know give me a synopsis of what you do Oh, I live in Denver, Colorado, and my days are filled with bicycle rides uh, through the urban park and drinking Starbucks. And uh, you know, at my IT job, yep, at so my IT job. It. And i i i have a I have a high rise apartment where I go out and we bitch about Donald Trump on a nightly basis, right? And 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 bitch about hunters, trappers, anglers. People that are just killing things and how wrong they are.
1: What do you say to that like person? A person I'd, it. I'd love to spend moose camp with that person. I get a one-way ride. Um, man, I would just, yeah, I would I would first say, okay, I w- I'd want to know. And as I've gotten older, I've tried to mature more. I try to see things more diplomatically, and I want to see it from their senses. Okay, why do you think, not the reintroduction, but why should we introduce these wolves here? Well, they're here, and I say, okay, well... They weren't here before. This is a non-native subspecies that they are bringing in here and like a modern saber-tooth tiger that's nearly double the size of what we had previously a long time ago. Um, and why do you want that here? Okay, because you want uh, you want the trees to have bark on them in Yellowstone. That was their argument or stuff like that. Or we can have more wildflowers and things like that. And then I would also counter and just say, okay, how much time do you spend? Right? Oh, I hike. And I'm like, okay, do you ever get off the trails? Well, no no, I don't get off. I go the paved trail up to here. Okay. Well, that's not really out in the wilderness. I go and spend my vacation from work and thousands of dollars every year to go live like a homeless person to be surrounded by wildlife because I am truly intrinsically enthralled with it and the biology and the mating cycle. And I'm a trophy hunter, plain and simple. And I want to shoot the biggest, most mature animal that that region holds. And I want to count myself and I want to match wits and play chess with that animal in the wolves kill that animal for fun and eat the ass out of it and the eyeballs, maybe a little bit of the tongue, and then they'll walk away. Um, and, and that's the difference of Alaska. Wolf, wolves Wolves here, like wolves here, they'll eat something. They'll kill a moose. They'll, like eight wolves, they'll eat that thing in four days. They'll stay within a couple miles and they'll eat it and they'll eat it and they'll eat it and, they'll eat it, and then they'll go kill another one. They might save a little and cash it, but the birds are going to hammer it too. So they can only cache so much and the birds and Wolverines are going to come and dig up those caches and stuff. So they eat the animals. They don't really kill for sport up here, but they still take a ton. And so I'd ask and see what they had to say about that. But I spend more time than an actual state paid biologist in the mountains living with these animals because I really like them and I really enjoy and care about them. And I'm going to take one per year, maybe a year, you know, I might not not see that I might, I might not do good enough. I might not see one. I might miss, you know, but I genuinely care. And what is your reason why you want these here? Because I'll give you all the reasons I don't.
0: What, Adam, what, what is your take? I, I always like to ask this question from people that have been, you know, in, in uh, within the... The lifestyle of hunting and living off the land and living close to the land and 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 people that really see nature for what it is and what I mean by that is is I think that the person that I described earlier you know they they live in downtown Denver or Los Angeles or or, or whatever and they're they're against hunting they're against uh, wildlife management through hunting and trapping um and they have this kind of like um it's almost like this theological belief that humans are an infringement on nature as if we're we've been implanted here by by fucking aliens you know like 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 we don't belong on the earth and we're interfering with the earth because we live our lives on the earth you know you know, it's this it's this weird concept that we are not natural to the world i I, I, I God guess didn't would
1: put mammals and ungulates on the world in this world Jim for us not to have dominion it says in the Bible we have dominion over the animals and the beasts of the forest and the flocks of the air. Um, I think I don't. I'm not great at.
0: Words no, no, no. Cookers. You're you're right. It, d- it does say that we have dominion over the animal and and whatnot. Ta- taking you that-
1: can't grow big and strong eating frickin' soybeans and tofu as a vegan, okay? And your no. soy freaking lattes and. More animals die for your soy and your plants and everything, get ground up under a disc and everything like that, all the mice and rodents and pesticides and everything get sprayed. And the counter to that is the moose I shot last year. I shot a cranker, the biggest bull I ever had. He was like 231. And I, I passed up 15 Boone and Crockett bulls before I finally pulled the trigger. I didn't kill a moose the year before because I didn't see one that made me say, wow, that's yeah. a giant!" right? And that is being a selective trophy hunter. I don't want it to end day one. If a giant walks right by the airplane, sure, I'll stick him with an arrow or I'll put a bullet through him. But if not, I want to hunt a worthy quarry, and I want to find the most mature animal That's you know, a bull elk peaks at like seven, eight, nine. I want to find a 12-year-old, a really old one that's outsmarted everyone else and all the predators to do that. And when I put a bullet through that moose last year, he had just got his ass whooped by, he was 66, and he just got his ass whooped by a 71-inch bull, they came that night, and he had a cow, and I think he has the ass whooped for the cow. And he was sitting there kind of posturing up, but kind of being a puss next like to this other moose. And the other <laughs> one is wider, but I've already killed a bull at 73. I want this one because I have a shed. He's super wide paddles and everything. And I'm like, there's no no way you're going to pull me off this thing unless there's an 80-incher. And I put the bullet. I held for two minutes to win 380 yards, and I just put it right behind the shoulder. 285 ELDM, and I went all the way through him. He spun around 180 degrees, tipped over backwards like a horse. He was dead within six seconds. That's, God, the, fastest, sweet, most, man. that's the fastest, most humane why, humane way any animal is going to die. Oh, totally. totally. Moose, mouse, a rodent eating pesticide off your frickin' tofu, or getting your hamstrings ripped out while two young wolves hang on your nose saying, oh, this is fun, and the other ones are ripping your guts and your nutsack. So that seems like a lot better way to die for me. That's how I'd want to go rather than going slow from winter kill, a brown bear or worse a pack of wolves.
0: So, what and, and makes not sense to, to me. Not oh, I totally agree with that. I I think I think you 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 nailed it. Uh and I I don't mean to like totally switch subjects here but what like what do you see as the biggest threat to the future of hunting? From a guy that grew up hunting, um, you know, you, your entire lifestyle is like immersed in in the outdoors uh, and living off the land, and and raising your kids in this way that is is considered primal or or historic or ancient. You know, you know, like not relevant kind of thing anymore. Because you and I, I, I believe, for I follow you. Obviously, I follow you on Instagram, which I I get a huge kick out of your like super sarcastic ass fucking reels that you put out there. I love those, man. (laughs) I love them. It's super freaking entertaining for a guy like me. And, um, my wife's dump truck, Lenny Wilson, (laughs) but yeah, it's, it's so much fun. I, it's, it's, uh, that's the kind of stuff that just, it like, you know, hits me the right way. And, and so anyway, like from from a guy that's totally immersed in this lifestyle and the outdoors and living off the land and in homesteading and, and everything that you do, what do you see as a future in or I'm sorry, the biggest threat to the future of hunting, um, going forward? Like, you know, what does ten years from now look like? Um. Okay. Well, three parts. First, I am more connected. I'm a foster parent. We adopted.
1: We couldn't have kids naturally way too much money trying everything, couldn't have a baby in a test tube, never worked. So we got into foster care and I adopted five native kids from Western Alaska. Um, and so they have a cultural tie to the region where their ancestors killed seals, walrus, whales, caribou, fish, moose, and everything. They are culturally tied to the resource. Now, they didn't grow up doing that. They grew up and they showed me with tinfoil, you can make a crack pipe, and they didn't know that was used for making cookies. But anyways, we we're immersing them in that because that's what their ancestors did. We want to culturally partake in that and show them our way of life, too. Um, but I just wanted to preface that because I am very, very deep-rooted into that, and I'm more Native than most Natives, even as a freaking white guy. Like, I, I live it, dude. I don't just talk about it. Yeah. Um,
0: I would second that.
1: The first part I would say is, you know, I don't mean to get too political, and I hate that we're we're so divided and pulled sides, but... The people that are on the left and the Democrats, they literally, some of those dumbass people think your meat is literally made at the store. There was like a posting or some something on Facebook we all saw a long time. Why don't you just get your meat at the store? It's made like everybody else. And they don't understand that those cows don't want to live in a freaking cattle dairy farm. The chickens don't want to live in a chicken house with a hundred a thousand other Tyson chicken birds and stuff like that. But it's not okay for you to eat elk meat. It's not okay for you to eat moose which is one of the most lean proteins and it's good for you.
2: I, they don't I, want you yeah, to do that. Yeah.
1: They I, don't want you to have guns and the ability to fend for yourself, to kill your own food and to do everything.
0: Adam, the, uh, there, there's one thing I want to chime in with that because I, I, I don't know that there is any way that I could agree with you any more than what you said. I want to, I want to, I want to highlight one thing. When we say Democrat, The Democrat Party has been hijacked by these leftist extremists that want to call us extremists for living the way that humans have lived for thousands of years. And so this isn't like Democrat versus, versus Republican. This is this is normal fucking people living their life that notice the Democrat party has been hijacked by these leftist expri- extremists that talk about how healthy they are eating a fucking tofu vegan diet that are dying. Their skin is gray. They can't even see straight because they're so malnutritioned. And we have to sit there and act like we're okay with that. And I'm getting, I, I got a little bit, I, I got a little overly worked up. I'm, i I'm, Little hot. A little, hot. a little hot. Little hot man. A yeah. little hot. But I I wanna like here's the thing, dude. Like in my family growing up, we had Republicans, we had Democrats, and they had their like, you know, little different ideas as to how the country should be managed. And it was Same like this thing. this fun rivalry. And, and what whatever. I found myself on more of that Republican right-leaning side. Uh, I'm a constitutional conservative kind of type guy. Um, and I, I see that what happened is these normal Democrats have been fucking hijacked by these people that can't even decide what gender they are. They can't decide whether or not humans should eat meat, even though that's what has been going on for thousands of years. They, they, you know, they're, they're this woke societal norm that they're trying to create where every Everybody is wrong except for them because they're offended. That kind of stuff drives me absolutely batty. And I I think that the Democrats, if like, dude, if I was a Democrat, I would be fucking livid. I would be fucking livid at this point that my party, the party of JFK, who would have no prayer of getting elected today because he would be considered too right wing. Has been oh, yeah. absolutely hijacked by people that want to run around indoctrinating our children and sexualizing our children and acting like having men in women's sports is totally fine. I would be pissed if I was a Democrat. I didn't mean to get hot. I, but, but sometimes I think about this stuff and I fucking explode. I, I'm over it. I'm over catering to the feelings of these leftist nut jobs that think that this stuff is okay. And and, we've and then, stop. You
1: know, to a head, the, the actual Democrats, the, the Democrats that I grew up knowing that there's Republicans and Democrats and Republicans are all about big business. So taxes, Democrats are a little more hippie and they want, you know, national parks and stuff like that. That's what my dad explained to me. And that's how it
2: exactly.
0: used to be.
1: Eventually, they're starting to flip script. They can't be around the wokeness and everything like that. So that and the anti's and everything like that. The biggest thing we wouldn't need to fix it is Trump. Or Trump Jr. to win, because Trump Jr. is an awesome, awesome guy and freaking huge hunter and conservationist and everything like that, rather than just freaking Democrats. They shut everything down, make everything federal lands. And this is federal law. No one can hunt. But the second part of that that's probably more realistic is hunting to me and to you and the people I associate myself with. Think of it as a heritage, a pastime, um, a tradition. You know, my dad took me when I was three and I was bloodthirsty, you know, until I got to high school and started chasing the other kind of whitetail. Like I was just <laughs> bound on killing anything with a pulse, right? Coyotes, rabbits, grouse, whatever. Yep. When you gave me a pickup and I had to work on a gun, dude, possibilities are endless, right? And I know there was, there used to be a lot of opportunity for small game coyotes. I mean, I go down to Worley and road hunt for coyotes all the time, Right. Um that's
0: not the case anymore. Dude, now Worley's still a great place to hunt coyotes though.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Um a lot of coyotes. They're smart.
0: Um uh, yes, they
1: <laughs> but uh yeah. Um hunting now has turned into a business in a in a multi billion dollar business of guns and camo and influencers, and I I think of it as like the makita girl right when we all grew up and went to a shop with your dad or whatever and there was a hot girl in a bikini holding a freaking grinder you know in a in a hard hat i was like that girl probably isn't using a grinder you know with her big fake tits hanging out just saying that would get a lot of sparks over those but she looks really good right yep well that's happened now and no offense to anyone where sitka but most of the people you see those broads with their fake tits and their fake hair and their fake eyelashes and their fake lip injections sitting in the tree stand doing their TikTok reels, wearing all the shit cut, that's the and problem. They're, and
0: they're like they're like decked out in makeup and everything. you have any idea how – Yeah. The, the deer smell the makeup, just so you know. Like that's, that shit is not scent-free. Um, well, I mean, it's I call funny bullshit. they never
1: tell me. because yeah, you, you roll bullshit. through their page and it's,
0: oh, real, real
1: TikTok dance, real, ooh, snap your fingers and go from dressing like a slut to dressing like a camo slut with your big, big slot pants hanging out. And no offense, and I'm sure there's some people that wear other camos and different like that, but Sitka is doing that for the Makita girl thing. So it's sending the wrong image and it's, it's promoting hunting in the wrong way. And, and it I, also I, comes, it, it comes it just, from the guys.
0: Yeah, it, totally, totally. Because, because they support that, but that you notice the chicks out there that are actually killers and putting shit on the ground, they're not decked out in, in in Sitka and makeup, and I don't mean to pick on Sitka. Uh, it, it's pronounced it's, Shitka. So you can just listing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not here to I'm not here to you know uh, shit all over that. But it, it's it's it is a, this thing where that's what they chose to be like this marketing approach to sell product, but yet you know my m- like my girls, my daughters. You think they're decked out and and what do they call that? Mascara, eyeliner, and all this stuff, and they're going out there and killing stuff. No, man, my girls—they go out and they kill shit in what they as 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 natural females, and and I'm not I'm not.
1: And probably the clothes they wore to school. The, yep. Exactly,
0: I'm not disparaging makeup wearing because my girls also wear makeup, but but that that's the thing is my 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 girls are our deep souls they can they can have this dichotomy of getting dressed up and wearing makeup and and they can also have this this other side to them that goes out in in what is is just natural and into the into the natural world and get shit done right and that that's the difference and sexualizing hunting to sell product is is kind of bullshit i don't know well you no, not kind of bullshit it is. You look at all these all girls right.
1: and you look at their followers. Most of them have a freaking OnlyFans showing their feet pictures to some old creepy guys because the, that, that's what sells, right? Yeah. These old creepy guys who are turkey hunters in Missouri and 450 pounds or whatever and never left the truck, that that appeals. Oh, this girl's a hunter, so they're appealing to that kind of weirdo. But the other the other opposite side of this, man, I'm getting freaking heated. Besides the shit you wearing sluts is the other, and there's, there's lame people who wear Kuyu. Liver King wore Kuyu. The Bomars wore Kuyu. Plenty of people wear Kuyu, and they can buy it. So when I did some stories on my Instagram, they'd be like, well, what do you think about Liver King? I'm like, Kuyu does not sponsor Liver King. They don't sponsor and give stuff to the Bomars. People can actually buy product. And there's even people who aren't very smart. Liver King, right? What? Never what? Heroin. Dude, what is Liver they're, King? There are people... Oh, we can get into that, dude. It's a freaking dude who just or Kuyu, and he said he never did steroids. Obviously, he's on, he's on juice, and then it all came out, and the whole thing unraveled. People can buy Kuyu, right, just so they don't look like a loser who wears shit caps. Yeah. But the other big, big part of this, most hunters are men, and there is this new generation from people who want to be a content creator, want to be a YouTuber, want to do all that stuff, and I have a YouTube channel. I do it because I do not really make money. I do it just because I like filming my hunts. I want my kids to watch it and stuff. When I kill an animal, I video, and it's raw emotion, and I'll send you the kill shot after we're done for my moose. I can't really post it yet. I've thought yeah, I've about it, it or whatever. That, We've never really done that. And once that thing hits the dirt, I just freak out, dude. It is, It is real. It is raw. I did it solo. It's the third moose I've shot solo. The last thing going through my mind is how many likes can I get on this how is Kuyu going to like this? How is Gunworks going to like this? I wonder if Swaro is going to send me a new ATX-95 because I use a Swaro to phone scope this. I wonder if Hornady can give me a sponsor because I shot at ELDM. I don't care. None of that crosses my mind ever. Yeah. I am enthralled at the moment. I don't care about how many likes, how many reels, how many whatever. I'm just like shaking. I'm just like, dude, this is the drug. I can't get enough. It's literally I'm like a heroin addict and I'm like, how do I keep this going? How do I get that next fix? And that's what hunting should be. And everyone hunts for a different reason, but if we're doing it to sell it, to sexualize it, to do it for reels and monetization and making staged places where you walk across the freeway packing a bull out and you your flat brim and your soy boy can't, I don't know. <laughs> don't get me started, dude. I'm just, there's a no, lot of people in high opinion I think who a lot hunt of people, for the wrong
0: reasons. I think a lot of people are, are A, going to agree with what you're saying and, and B, um, understand that, like, when we if we're talking shit about one particular thing, like like Sitka gear, it, it's not the gear. I like. I have friends that wear Sitka. I have friends that wear Kuyu. I have friends that that wear you, you know name your brand. I, I I like to I like to use the Scree gear. I like to use. Uh, I have friends that wear Sitka that put big animals on the ground. They
1: still uh, know exactly. the company sponsors faggots.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and they they there's there's just there's just this persona about what the marketing behind some of the hunting shit is that like people are starting to wake up and they don't buy it. Like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry that like you're on a I've private, been open, you're on a, you're, a girl, like what? Come on, you're on a high fence fucking bullshit hunt like like give me a break and i and and i am one of the people that has has talked about don't disparage people that go on high fence hunters or hunts because we're all hunters in the end of the day and i I agree with that but the the problem that we get with that is these people that'll go on these high fence hunts will present it on social media as if they're some backcountry badass and and that's the difference like, I'm like a the
1: public. Heaven and 10K guy in Idaho that shot like a 430 bull or yeah, something man. and said it was
2: yeah. Wyoming
1: and it, he shot it on an elk ramp.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like That's, a bodybuilding show. Don't tell me you're not on juice. I can tell you're on like juice. Like, just be honest about what you're doing and present it yeah. in, in an ethical and honorable way. Like, there's no honor. There's no honor in lying. There's no honor. There's no law, honor in misleading anybody. And so when you're going out there and you're acting like you're some fucking highfalutin hunter that went out on a high fence ranch, you paid 30 grand, and uh, you shot this 400 class bull elk, and some dude on a side by side drove up. Fucking skinned that thing out, quartered it out for you, got the rack out, and you took a picture right as the sun was going down with this elk rack on your shoulders that you walked through 30 feet to put on the side-by-side to haul out by the guide. I'm sorry, dude. Like, you're not a badass. You should have been fucking honest about it. That, it's not... I have way more respect for somebody that shot a 220 bull four miles into the Idaho National Forest somewhere or Montana or Wyoming you know name name your state whatever um and and people despairs that individual for for shooting you know what they call a raghorn uh but but the guy went out there and they located that elk they closed the distance on that elk they made the whole thing happen on their own and they 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 pulled that thing off they they pulled this hunt off and now they have you know what 200 pounds of meat in the freezer I, I don't care.
1: I didn't expect that. I just want the truth.
0: You I, know, exactly. I'm to start yeah, off truth, the games,
1: but but there is people who like to shoot Columbia blacktails and throw the animal over their back and walk down a logging road. The Columbia blacktail weighs 120 pounds. My wife can pack 130 pound moose quarter. She weighs 150 and go straight uphill a mile and not stop. And I'm just like, hey, I need a break. I need to fall over. That's beast mode. And guess what? No makeup. Because when you got sweat rolling down your cleavage and off your face because you're busting your ass, I don't think makeup stays on your pretty little face. Those are the kind of real deal people I want to associate with. And if you're on a hunting show and you see a big buck off the side of the road and you bail out the truck and you cross the fence and you sneak down there and you shoot him, tell me that story because we've all done that. We've and all done it, man. I love is. it. Yeah. it's part- My biggest mule deer was right off the truck. I shot him down by Boise, and we were driving out. My dad shot a 155 buckser. I shot the biggest mule deer out of both us. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> Come around the corner. is a 175 buck with two does. I jump out, jump off the road. I'm laying down, looking at him. He's like 90 yards away, and he takes off. I'm like, oh, that's a bad move. It wasn't that Totally, at man. You. I shoot him through the front shoulder, and that's That is the story. And everyone's got a, a story, story like that, and I did it in Crocs and Blue Jeans, you know?
0: Yeah, my my the biggest mule deer buck I've ever killed, like since you brought that up. I, I had part, it was actually in Washington when w- this was that rare time when I'd, I'd first got out of the Marines and I'd moved to Washington t- to work for my buddy, Adam, who had a construction company and that was going to help kind of pay my way through college kind of thing. You know, Um, I got, yep. I got a Washington deer tag. I drove up this mountain. I walked 30 fucking yards from my truck and this big old mule deer was standing there and I killed him. That's, that's my, that's my story of my biggest mule deer buck. Uh, I, it took me less than an hour to, or I'm sorry, an hour to gut him out and get him back in the truck truck. And I got him in the truck hole. Like this was all downhill. This, this buck ended up in my truck full hole. I Back your
1: tailgate right up to the right up to the edge of the bank with snow You bet right I did.
0: In, you bet I did. I Go to I, breakfast
1: at the cafe.
0: Yeah, I, I literally, I, I if if it, it couldn't have been any better with the exception of if I backed my truck up to this hillside, dropped my tailgate, shot the buck, and he just rolled down and gutted himself and landed right in my truck. Like that. That's how easy it was. And, and I, I understand that doesn't happen all the time, but that that is the honest truth of my biggest mule deer buck was 30 yards from where I parked my truck. And he just stood there. He was running up. He, he didn't give a shit. He just was like, what are you? And I stood there. You're and not I, a doe. You're yeah. not a doe. What are you doing? And I drug him back to my truck after that. Like, it's not that big of a deal. I don't care about inflating like, this was before social media, too. Like, I didn't care about inflating the story to make myself look more glorious as a hunter on social media.
1: And I think that's why people like stuck in the rut. Like, we tell it like it is. Like, Tom, this year, he's like, I shot a small bull. He was like a 5 by 5 barely a 6-point. He was standing in the road. He was close to the pickup. I couldn't help myself. Put it all on video and told the story. He's like, look, was right here. And I was, I called Travis, and we yeah. were done by, like, two. You know, oh, yeah, man. and people get that. It's not like, Oh, we're way back in here. We're going to hide the road and we're going to reenact the footage up here. And we don't do that. And I think that's why people really feel genuine and connected to the story because they know it's the real deal. You For know?
0: sure, man. For sure. I've, 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 it's, it's so interesting. You say that, like I've, I've watched YouTube videos. I know they're recreating shit. Like that's not how you called that, called that bull in. Uh, that, that yeah. is not how that went down. I, I, I because the you know, yep. I'm I'm 40, I think I'm 42, right? What year is it? Yeah, 42. So, um, like it's it's this ain't my first rodeo. I I know how shit goes down, and so I, I just think this over glorification of things kind of gets old, and and I think that people are starting to pick up on it, and and we you, you know like nobody falls for this shit anymore, so. Yeah, I I think that that's that's true. What you said, like I'm not a trophy hunter, man. I make no. I I do not explain myself to anybody if I shoot a raghorn bowl or if I shoot a spike. I don't care. I'm not a trophy hunter. I don't I don't care. I shoot I shoot a legal bowl. I shoot a legal. Don't make bowl. but you don't make excuses for it. I don't make excuses. No, I that, don't. I'm not gonna sit there and be like. Or, oh.
1: Just I'd, couldn't get it done or this and that or can't eat the horns. Like, no,
0: no, I don't. If a 330 bull yeah.
1: a 230 bull, you're shooting a 330 oh, bull. absolutely.
0: absolutely. Hands down, man. It's like, totally. That's yeah. what that's, uh, this whitetail buck I killed last year. He was, there was two bucks that came out. There was a smaller one and a bigger one. I killed the bigger one. Right. Like no shit. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's not like I seek, uh, I, I'm not going for some Boone and Crockett record for me. And and especially when it comes to elk, I'm not that good of an elk hunter. So, uh, like, uh, I'm sorry, elk man. Elk is
2: dude.
1: Dude.
0: I, me, I, I got a big wake-up call hunting
1: Montana this year.
0: Yeah. You got are, a
1: what? What, what did pretty, you say? I got a big wake-up call hunting Montana this year, just getting busted by lead cows and everything. And I've been hunting dumb moose and caribou. But I'm I'm a dude, trophy tell hunter. Me, and
0: tell you me know, about that bull... Tell me about that big ass bull you got that got stolen, man. And then we'll, we'll wrap this up. I know we've been going long, man. Um, oh,
1: you I'm, I'm you enjoying got that it. bull. Um, yeah, so shot the biggest bull in my life. I'm a horrible bow hunter because Alaska does not have um, many archer only seasons, any weapons. So if you're going to give me a gun works so will shoot to a grand or a bow that I can shoot to 60 or 70, I'm taking the rifle all day long. I just don't have the willpower to be only the bow. Now that I quit the full-time flying gig and everything, I'm more of an entrepreneur. I want to bow hunt more and uh, have this new Hoyt. And I love it. It's just, for, it's dialed to 80 and I'm really confident in it and stuff. still hard to put down the gun. And if there's a gun within a mile, I'm going to pick it up. Anyways, drawing yeah. our truck back, Montana, going with Travis, get on a small piece of public. We got private down below us, private above us or whatever. We're able to get in there and the elk are coming down to get water through the ag fields and we ambush him. And I was thinking about this the other day, the percentage of hunts that actually work in an ambush, let alone an elk, is probably like less than 1%. You know, a lot of called in, a lot of the stuff in Montana, um, central Montana is open. And so it's like spot and stock, not a lot of calling. And I just had the elk pattern. They would go down this way. Travis had it blocked off or they'd go down this way. And the more you're in there, it's just kind of like bear hunting a period. The, the more you're around the scent and everything like that. Your every time a cow sees you, they just get less and less tolerable of your presence. So it's getting darker and darker. And I had like six minutes left of the daylight, and this bull comes by, and I screwed up on other ones by draw too early or draw too late or anything. But I have a reed in my mouth, have the camera on, all the six cows tunnel right by. He bugles right over the hill. I can barely clip on the string. I'm shaking so bad, dude. And oh, uh, he man. goes behind the tree, and I, he goes behind the tree. I roll up my knees, and I. Now I'll start drawing I'm like no wait one more second it's full His head's fully behind the pinion Juniper, come to full draw come out i don't even know if i aimed his 32 yards i just put my 30 on his heart and cow Cal called him before he came. me like he was almost to a complete stop i just sunk on right through his heart Luminoc all the way through stuck in the dirt behind him it was awesome got it out um really small he was kind of like he was a hurt ball but he was like worn down from rutting and stuff um you know, and like uh, body-wise, you
0: mean body-wise? Yeah, it was like, like the less size of, of a rag bull. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, it was like a 60-pound uh, rear I've quarter. I could pick the whole yeah. thing up
0: in front raise. You, and you, I told Travis Yeah, you video, get into like, week one, night. week two of September, or I'm sorry, October. That That's kind of what they look yeah. like, right?
1: Yeah, he's worn down. And uh, it was really nice from packing out four moose this year, which are huge. You know, 110-pound fronts, hundred twenty-five, pounds rear quarters, bone in. We have to leave the bones in up here in some units to that, or we could debone them and just throw in a you pack. And we're like, boom, sweet. Um, and everything was great. I stayed with Trav to hunt. Tom took the elk and said, hey, I'm going to drive home. I said, sweet, take this. We have a lot of gear and not enough truck space. Stopped in Billings um, and woke up the next day after like five hours of sleep. It was gone. Thought I'd never see it again. One of the only good wait, things wait. is social
0: media. Wait, back, back up just a minute. You You stopped in Billings.
1: Had Tom that. had my elk. I stayed with Travis to hunt. He still had a tag. I had to get back. And I said, "Okay, well, take my elk. You're taking all this gear. We'll come back later, but we don't have enough gear in the pickup for this, this, this." Um, he got my elk and drove home, and the rack and the cape got stolen out of the back of the truck. And in hindsight, twenty twenty, everyone's like, "Oh yeah, right off the come on in, right off the freeway." Tom, but so
0: Tom had it and and spent the night he in Billings. He felt awful. He Dude, was like, I feel bad. I, I felt terrible for Tom. <laughs> like, like, that's but horrible. But ev-
1: everyone's like, oh, you always take those in the motel. I'm like, how do you, like, these aren't old motels, right, where you just back up to the door and you take your elk in. How do you get an elk to the third floor when you walk through the, lo- you park here and you walk down 100 yards, go up here, go to the elevator the stairs? I don't know. I'm just old school. I thought Billings was like cowboys that smoke marbles, not a bunch of tweakers. And crack horse, but yeah, I no, there's tweakers everywhere, man. A lot of tweakers in Billings. Yeah, it's just freaking running ragged. Yeah. They took that. They took oh, they took a lot. They took a nine thousand cubic inch two U dry bag, the biggest one they have, and they had all my stuff besides oh. my backpack and my sleeping bag, everything. Shit. Um, I think I had my binos, but they got a spotter and just everything. And so I got an insurance claim that got covered. That never showed up. They stole Tom's bow and the elk rack, which is priceless. And that went viral over Facebook, social media. The next yeah, man, day, the I tweakers shared it. took it. Yeah, I appreciate that. The tweakers took it to a guy in Laurel just down the street. He thought it was kind of weird. They were in the corner. They wanted saws sawzall, so they cut the horns off, gave them to this guy. And uh, he said, this looks, looks kind of weird. Why would you bring a cape frozen in and then cut these big bull antlers off this cape? Why would you do that instead of just skull capping in the field or whatever? And they were acting suspicious, made 300 bucks, never was able to find that person. Uh, But I had the antlers back, got them back, and I think they're actually at Trav's house or maybe a taxidermist. I just got to get a cape because they cut them off. Um, But super, I thought that was a 1% chance, but I got lucky and I had the antlers back. Um, And uh, yeah, just a cool story, but just makes you sick to your stomach. And then I had to come back to Alaska for a hunt and I'm just like, man, those tweakers are they're lucky because I would not want me looking for me wearing a set of steel toe boots. You know, they don't even have teeth to kick in, but I'd, I'd no. break
0: something. You know,
1: <laughs> they're gonna and get to go to Big of... Al. I've been in a, I've been in a couple tussles. You yeah,
0: know, yeah, so, yeah. One one time, well, no, I won't get into that Big Al stories. But anyway, um, it, it I, I I feel terrible for Tom because I'm I'm sure he he like had this you know. He felt responsible or whatever, but you just like it doesn't matter where you go, man. Like, there's fucked up people everywhere. And, and it's just the like thing, the
1: way Travis explained it, it said, if Tom's house was burning down, he's a father. He'd grab his kids. The next thing he would grab on his way out would be his biggest elk rack. That's how special mm-hmm. racks are to him. So it's like it meant more to Tom than it did to me. But it was, I mean, I shot a 181 bighorn and that yeah. elk is right up there with that. That's a Boone and Crockett bighorn, but that elk is right up bull, there. a man. Just because I shot it with a bow, I got it on video, I was soloed, the thing read the script, he came by screaming, travels across the way getting phone scope footage of him coming down. I mean, it was, just, it was just so cool to have it all work out. I was the only one that filled a tag over there, and I'm like, I make reels about how sucky of a bow hunter I am. Like, I just got this new bow, and I was shooting arrows into the frozen ice, bouncing them in the target with my Hoyt. And I'm like, is that how you're supposed to do it, shooting grounders It still hit the target, you know? And so, like, I make jokes about it, and I made a joke before I went on that hunt, like, shooting at 50. and I was like, I'm not going to let three bad arrows get me down. And then I just smoked this bull, just pinwheeled them, like, 10-ringed them. And uh, it was just really cool to have it all come together crazy story it went viral i was on the news i mean it got like millions yeah, of shares it did man um, it was it was crazy yeah. cuz
0: like what you i had i had seen i don't know who posted it but i i had seen the picture of you and your that bull and i'm like dude he did a great job that's a great bull uh super jealous uh really good hunt and then, like a couple of days go by or something, and then all of a sudden, everybody's posting, uh, "Holy shit, somebody stole Ann and an Adams group bull out of the back of the truck in Billings." And uh, yeah, you know, this big and then thing. Snyder got and, his
1: bull stolen.
0: Yeah, yeah. Snyder, yeah, Snyder got his bull stolen, and it was like so. All of a sudden, there's this big trend of these fucking meth heads stealing everybody's bulls. You know, you know, and that that's kind of the 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 persona that was um you know told uh, or, or or whatever and oh yeah yeah i had no. a buddy write an article on it yep yeah crazy man i'm glad you got it back uh, you you got the antlers back did snyder get his back
1: no i did a podcast with him a couple months ago and he never found him so he's like for all i know my dogs could be chewing on my own elk right now because that's what happens all antler now it just gets cut up in the dog shoes and there's yeah. a market for them. right that's why Yep. Shed hunting and all these shed closers have become so relevant and all that. But, um, oh my God, yeah, that no, he's really, got stolen out of the
2: backyard.
0: That really yeah. you did on Instagram about shed hunting? Dude, I about. I... Yeah,
1: everyone thinks I should. That, that kind of made me blow up. I was like at 15,000 followers. Not that I know or care. People were like, tell me, hey, you're blowing up. And I was gaining like a 1,000 <laughs> followers a day. And I'm like, I don't know why people want to follow me, dude. I'm just a fat guy married to a super hot redhead. And I can kill big <laughs> moose with the cabs. But I, I guess it worked. It was pretty funny. Everyone's was like, you should do a sequel. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to do a sequel. Oh, my it's God. Like,
0: it was hilarious, man. I died when I saw that fucking group. Well, it's because it was real,
1: because that's what everyone did. And I'm talking to my buddies in yep. Utah.
0: i like, yeah, there's boot
1: tracks all over May 1st. You know? no shit should be found.
0: Oh, so. yeah. No, man. I, I had a great time watching that. But uh, tell everybody, tell everybody a little bit about where they could find you.
1: So, stuck and Ruts on YouTube. Um, appreciate you subscribing your support there. It's just it's not a lot of B roll or like boots through the creek or music overlays. It's it's down and dirty. It might be a four minute hunt, like hey, just came back from church and there's two turkeys in the parking lot uh, or over by the house by the garden, and I'm gonna go shoot them with my bow. That kind of stuff, or it may be a 35 minute brown bear hunt on the peninsula where it tries to eat us and just a wide range. But it's usually a lot of really intense stuff. And I'd argue to say that we put some of the biggest animals on the ground with diversity from doll sheep, mountain goats. We do a lot of this stuff in Alaska and all the Western States down there. And there's no fences and it's all public. So, um, stuck in the road on YouTube. And then I'm just Grinda 89 on Instagram.
0: And, and uh, and, and listeners, you guys, you guys like heed my advice. One of the most entertaining Instagrams you could follow is Grinda 89. Is it Grinda 89 or 1989?
1: Grand to 89. One other 89. plug, I will have to plug all the wolves we were trapping and killing this year. I, I sell a lot of hides for wolverines and stuff like that. So if you need any fur, um, I guess hit me up next winter or whatever. I don't sell cheap fur, I sell stuff to mount. Um, so I get a lot of guys, and you'll like this. Guys will like try and barter with me. And I'm like, look, pal, I'm not a garage sale. Okay. The Wolverines, 800 and 800 is the price. And keep asking, I'll add a couple zeros. You know, <laughs> like, I'm, I I mean, how many, how many guys do you know with three or four Wolverines you can choose from right now that you're actively currently talking to, sending yeah. you videos? I'll wait, you know, and it's crickets. You know, so I'm not a garage sale. The price is the price, bud. And, um, but we got a bunch of wolves. My buddy was down here, and him and his kid were down here, so we all hung one and skinned one. Well, he skinned his, like, very... Uh, loosely and left a bunch of meat and cartilage on the ears and stuff instead sort of like really clean skin in it so it's easy to flesh and put the hide up we roll that one up into a garbage bag two weeks later I pull it out hang it to pull the feet out and turn the lips because I sell everything taxidermy prep well I'm like fleshing this thing and it's got like a big chunk down by the dick and it's got his dick bone still in there I never even knew wolves had one like bears do and I had never really given much thought to a baculum or the penis bone of a wolf pull this thing out dude I don't know if you saw this on my Instagram
2: I did, but I, I put did. it up
1: I put it up for bid, and some sick bastard a buddy of mine actually lived in Fairbanks, bought it for 105 bucks. This dick bone went for 105 and so then I just made a reel, and I'm like, guys, I didn't know I was had such a bunch of big perverts following me. I got what? my woodshed out back stacked full of frozen wolf bodies. You guys want a dick? I'll go back there and whack you off a dick right now. Just <laughs> let me know. And <laughs> so um, people started ordering dick bones from me, dude. <laughs> yeah, you, I mean, 100 bucks is 100 bucks, dude, right? I All mean, I've got seen, so yeah, I people started out. messing with
0: me. Uh, hey. uh, no, man, I got a kick out of that video you posted about how, like, here's your secret move, and like, if somebody's bucking up on you, you're going to come at them. You're going to get real close. And you pull the <laughs> you dick bone, from a dick dick bone, the bone to the eye, man. <laughs> yeah, I finished them like
1: there's no way you're walking away from a five and three eighths dick bone to the eye. I mean, yeah. seriously it'll sever your, double your final column. So the there's a point. lot of good humor and stuff like that. But yeah, pretty much my new handle has become dick bone and I had a beard company, I'll do a I'll do a plug for that Effect beard care. Um this is how I want people to do the sponsorships. The guy's like, hey, I like all the stuff. I think you have a great beard. I want to, I want to give you a code for dick. Okay. Well, I don't do anything like this, you know, whore yourself out. I said, like you said for the camera, you know, I want to try it. So he sent me a bunch of stuff. I said, Hey man, I really like it. It's kind of natural ingredients. I like how it works and stuff. How does the code thing work? And, um, Affect Beard Care is cool. Just shameless plug because I give a 10% discount. They give me a little kickback, which from beard care products would be like 50 bucks a year. I don't make anything, but they also donate another 10% to a charity of my choice, so I can donate it to like a Wounded Warriors or a Kids with Cancer Foundation. So that's really cool. Yeah. But then other companies have now reached out, and they I have two companies now: Backpack Logistics and Affect Beard Care. With code Dickbone, so it's kind of taken off and it's kind of become oh my, my God, handle. That's, that's so,
0: great, man. Code Dickbone.
1: People are going to call me on the radio and be like, "Yo, Dickbone, how's the weather up there? You seen anything <laughs> bad?" <You know? laughs> I mean, it's not as cool as Fabric or Viper, but I mean, Dickbone.
0: <laughs> no, it's up there, so, man. It's it, it's up there.
1: Like yeah.
0: Iceman, step aside. Dickbone is in route.
1: I mean, I quit flying for the federal government because I went into the job not liking the federal government. And then working for them for five years and seeing how horribly inefficient the systems ran and how many hippies and stump stump humpers and bunny lovers you are surrounded by the National Park Service, I did not fit in. If you can imagine, he's like, "What'd you do this weekend?" I say, like, "Oh, this, my garden, and this now." And like, "What'd you do?" This? Oh, I shot a nine and a half foot bear in the face, and I was like, oh, "You shot cinnamon?" I'm like, "Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> Got it on video. Want to see?" And um, <laughs> so now I really don't like the federal government. So I'm trying to make it as an entrepreneur, which. I taught him, buddies of Cody rich. You just had on to so roll through your podcast before we talked and like, yeah. you know, Cody's inspiration and different stuff. Like you just take a bunch of stuff and you don't need a business plan. You just make it work. So dick bones is part of my entrepreneurship. And
0: well, so, I mean, it, it, it's actually pretty legitimate because you, you made it a thing. Yeah. You, you know, if you, if you can't make it a thing, it's not going to be a thing. You made it a thing. And so, I mean, there's the thousands whole dick of people
1: bone. Yeah. now they hear the word dick bone my ugly face shows up yeah, into exactly, their mind or exactly. in your case, a brutal ninja move, getting the dick bone to the eyeball.
0: You don't so. want a dick bone to the eyeball. And that's the thing. And, and so <laughs> no, that's That's cool, man. You hooked up with, uh, with Cody. Uh, he's got that, that rich ideas lab. Like it's I'm on cl- it. Yeah. Yeah. I've, yeah. yeah. I just started a course a long time ago. And yeah. Just- I just started. <laughs> yeah. It well. So cool stuff.
1: I had a lot of ideas and stuff, and none of my ideas that I took from the Rich Ideas Lab or anything like that have really come to fruition. But, I mean, I can manage Airbnbs, I sell hides, I pick up a few sheds, I manage other real estates. My wife um, pretty much runs multiple businesses and women's retreats up here and stuff and takes girls out into the backcountry and lives like a homeless person, so I have to watch five kids. And then I have to drop the girls' candy out of the airplane, hoping they'll flash me, but that still hasn't happened yet um give it time. so yeah
2: give it to I, I,
1: I told i told told my wife i said can you vouch these girls appropriately and she's like that's so <laughs> rude i was like it's a joke <laughs> but i mean how cool is it to be in the middle of nowhere and get pizza boxes thrown out to to the airplane you know right right
0: right then, just
1: Dangle the ice cream bucket like "Ooh, who wants some ice cream girls <laughs> <laughs> drop them out um uh, but, yeah, she does a lot. She's a phenomenal entrepreneur, and I'm just to keep up. But, um, yeah, we both go hand in hand, and um, it's really cool that she wants to live this lifestyle I do. Like, that's about my life. She's an a bad thing about her. I thought it was really cool when I married her, and she likes to hunt. And so then that takes my time because i got to, like, take her hunting and then watch the kids while she goes moose hunting. I'm like, well, this freaking sucks, dude. I want to be selfish and just do all the killing myself, but mm-hmm. – Dude, she's she puts some animals on the ground, and she's like the exact opposite of a huntress. She hates that word, and she hates all the girls in the industry that are shaking their ass and their OnlyFans and their Sitka because that's the exact opposite of what she is. She she hunts for the same reasons that you and I do. You because know?
0: she's a real hunter. She's not she's not doing it for the glory of the gram. You know she she's You grew up real... with Tom and
1: Travis. That's all you
0: know. Yeah, man. I mean, like 30, like you, dude. I I, I can say it. I can say with great confidence your wife is a way better hunter than I am. Um, and, and I think she does that, have that an elk, curse.
2: she
1: missed a lot of six point bulls, but her birthday is October 25th. Well,
2: you know, you go. what are you yep. doing?
1: October 25th, <laughs> you're packing a bowl for <laughs> Thomas or Tom every single year. Yep. So you better like
2: elk. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yep, for sure, man. So I, I, I think it's super admirable. Uh, I really look up to you, you, you yep. and your, your wife and, and your family and the way you guys live. Uh, I, I think it's a great thing, man. I think America as a whole. Could learn a lot from like you and your family and, and the way you guys live and the sacrifices you guys make to, to be, you know, as, as self-sufficient and, and entrepreneurial as, as you are. Um, and, and I, I think that it's, it's just, it's one of those things like, you know, everybody wants to look at the, the next quarterback in the, in the next Super Bowl. But, the, but the reality is, is it's people like Adam Grinda that, that actually set this stage and set the example as to what this humanistic thing is and this connection to nature is is truly meaningful to the average human and and the average human. Up a
1: little bit. Is our connection still good?
0: Yeah, man. It's it's probably the time of night, man. I apologize about that. Did I did I lose you? You there?
1: No, I still have you. Now it sounds good. It was just breaking there for a little. I didn't want to have to have you go back in and edit a whole bunch.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, I I don't. Know. I don't edit shit, dude. I just record these as they are, and they, they it's just whatever. It comes out how it is. Good. So, well, all right, brother. I again, I I, I really do appreciate you. Um, stick on the line for just a minute, but I'm going to end the recording, and uh, I'm going to let the listeners know they could find you uh, if you get in the show notes on the on the podcast here you'll be able to find Adam on Instagram and a website and all that kind of stuff. We'll maybe put your YouTube in there, uh, whatever you guys want. And Adam, you got anything else you want to let the crowd know before, uh, before we sign off?
1: Man, I don't know. I was just going to say maybe something a little motivational, um, is just, I think there's a lot of parts, and I talk to buddies of mine, and I, I want to hang out with people who are alphas and people who are better hunters than me, and I consider myself um, pretty good, but I want to surround myself with better people. Damn, to man. Better.
0: I'll tell you what sucks about that is you're a way better hunter than me, so that means we're never going to hang out. Is that what you're saying?
1: Well, I'm just trying to be selfish and trying to look out for me. Sorry, that's <laughs> how it is. But I, I say that because I talk about, uh, not my friends about themselves, but like, our circle of friends, like, hey, so-and-so, like, he, he gets after it. Well, he gets after it is a very broad statement of saying he puts the time in scouting. He will go till there's, there's no quit. My buddy Justin Schaefer up here, one of my best hunting partners, he'll sleep in a sheep bed at 3 in the morning so he can wake up at 4 a.m. on the opener to put an arrow through one at 90 because he can shoot to 90 yards and kill a sheep and freeze his ass off all night in the sheep bed. People aren't willing to do that or willing to put the time and dedication or the, the financial freedoms and different things to not go to Disneyland and not go to Hawaii three times a year to be able to do this. And like, for me, I feel like I'm always working I mean, I was working on my airplane today. I was working on taking off and landings. I was adjusting my shocks. All this stuff leads to being a better hunter, to be a more effective tool with my airplane to access places other people can't go. I don't drink. I don't, um, I don't freaking mess around with drugs. I don't smoke. I don't play video games. I am busy all the time, and I think that all leads to being successful in life, and hunting, entrepreneurship, and your in your marriage, all that stuff. And I think it's multifaceted. Not just like, oh, that guy's a really good shot, or oh, he's in really good shape. I know tons of people are really good shape that want to quit day two in Alaska because it's hard and it's raining. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it takes it takes a whole bag of tricks to really make yourself successful, either hunting or just in life in general and being busy for me is what does it for me. I can't just sit around and be idle, you know?
2: Yeah.
0: And we, uh, we're, we're going to have to do this again because we didn't talk about that part of it. And we talked about maybe discussing that aspect of it where it's like, we're not idle. We're not, we're not wasting our life on fucking Netflix and video games. There, there's things that, that make us better as men and men need to take that accountability to improve who they are as men, as humans, as 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 hunters. You know, um, there's a few things you and I might disagree on. Like I, I, I've had two whiskeys since we've been recording, man. Um, but but
1: I I'm good with Jim. That. I've drank enough to kill four Indian reservations. <laughs> so you know, not a big deal. You yeah, know, I'm yeah. LDS. No, and and stuff, I, I don't I, drink anymore. I, I get it. I get it. I tell it. people like, do what you want you know, totally cool. I just choose
0: not to. It's, it's, it's just a difference of like, I, you know, it, it's one of those things like you and I, I, I feel like we're, we're going to always get along. We're going to have to do this again. Um, it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, I might have a whiskey. You might not. That's fine. The difference is, is, is our end goal and, and our, our focus is the same. And, and we have this thing where, where there's this, this mentality of self-reliance and independence that I think a lot of people lack uh, within America, and and they get stuck in these lives of living in a cubicle, uh, and and going home to this fucking basic routine that bores the soul of the average man and woman, and and we don't live that, and and I think that that's what's important. Well,
1: it's that too, but it's also with hunters too, and I yeah. I will say oh, this, for
2: sure, for sure.
1: And I will tell people, like, we're going out there. Your objective is to take the life of an animal. So don't tell me it was a fully successful trip and come back with flowers and sunset pictures. I tell my kids, we go on a hunt. I said, look, here's the mission. We want to kill a caribou. We want to eat it. We want to kill any caribou because we're starving and we don't have any caribou meat. And it's August 1st and the young ones are super good. We'll shoot anything. Yeah. And if we don't kill a caribou, I'd say, okay, kids, we failed. We're going to learn from this, and we're not going to fail again because I want to come home with a caribou. That is the goal. And people get pissed about that, that, oh, it's not this, it's it's not about the kill. I'm like If it's not about the kill, go play video games or golf,
2: okay? Yeah. Why do we're it? Going out there,
1: we're going out there to kill an animal. I will still say I love the camaraderie. I love hanging out. I love the 95% talking crap to my buddies and quoting Step Brothers, the movie, because it's super fun and it's rainy and it sucks and the hunting, we haven't <laughs> seen anything in four days. But I'm there to kill an animal. And I'm there to kill a big animal. And that's the point I'm trying to make. And people are like, oh, it's not about that. It's about this and the creation. This I'm like, okay, cut the shit. Come
0: on. Let's yeah. get real. Yeah. Well, for sure, brother. Uh,
1: man, that's going to this... offend some people. And if they get mad, they can lick my sack.
0: So. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's not cool, a... man. That's what we do on this show, man. I, I am like the... I am uh, the poster child of offending every everybody out there, and and I'm cool with that, dude. I, I like I don't care. That's great, dude. I I just I just want people to be who they are, and, and and that's I said this. You know, I I had Aaron Snyder on the show a couple weeks ago, and so uh, the he don't hold back. No, I don't. He doesn't. And 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 the video I made to promote that. I'm trying to make these videos every time I release an episode, you know. And I, I make these little videos. Oh yeah, talking to pull about- it off,
1: make a reel or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep.
0: And and one of the things I said is is because I I do get this question a lot. They're like they're like, what do you look for in a podcast guest? Like why why do you choose so and so versus so and so kind of thing? And and for me, um, I don't care if you're some prolific killer. I don't care if you only kill 400 class bull elk. I don't care if you only, you know, do this, do that, whatever. It, it, for me, it's authenticity. I want somebody that is authentic to themselves to the hunting space. Um they're not a bunch of phony motherfuckers. They 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 don't just whore themselves out to whatever it's the same
1: on Instagram versus Yeah. Instagram. It's the same thing want- like
0: and that's what I feel like with you man is I feel like you and I can have this discussion, and and tomorrow I can get on a plane, fly up to Alaska, and you and I would have the same discussion in person uh, as
1: friends. Well, you've met me in person. We've BSed at the banquet. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You you want authentic here? You can make a reel out of this. I'll tell people right now if you're offended, it's not a dick bone. Don't take it so hard.
2: You know, there, (laughs) that's
1: a sales pitch for you, bud. People get all spooled up about Instagram this night. I said, "Dude, I do it for business. I could care less about followers. I've taken one year sabbaticals off Instagram. I don't care. I don't care about YouTube. It doesn't make me any money. It makes sells a little bit of fur here and there, but it's like it's all make believe. This social media thing is all what you want people to see. Yep. Mine's authentic. Ninety percent of people's is BS. But why are we so? Why are we so spooled up about it? Get out yeah. there and spend time with your kids and hunting. That's what I tell people. Quit, quit crying to me about so and so or whatever. I don't care." I have bigger problems in my life,
0: dude. It's such a great message. It, that that's such a great message. Get out with your kids. Oh, and dick Bone. It's so hard.
1: Oh, I thought it was a Dick Bone one.
0: Okay, the Wolf yeah. Dick Bone man. Uh, I encourage people to go to Grinda eighty nine at Grinda eighty nine on Instagram and uh, check out that Dick Bone video. <laughs> it's pretty funny. <laughs> and so uh, you
1: Next even viral.
0: Oh my god, it's going to be so viral, dude! Because you you like skinned it out right there in front of the camera. Um, and, and then the other one you posted about, you know, your secret move or whatever. Uh, I just, I just love that stuff, man. It's authenticity that, that, that makes it for me. And, uh, I feel like you, you, you know, you fill that void that's out there in a lot of, um, I don't know, the hunting space, hunting social media, whatever. So we're going to have to do this again, man. I feel like we got a lot to talk about.
1: Yeah, real quick. I do want to plug this in there. That wolf that I found was a half mile from where I trapped the whole pack of seven. And I think it was a young alpha or no, sorry, a young male that didn't know how to kill yet. And he couldn't really? kill a moose by himself. And there, the caribou had migrated out of there for the winter. And he was literally like starved to death. He was skin and bones. And that was all he was.
0: Yeah, and that's so probably I'm like, true, man.
1: Yeah. There was nothing to it. A small skull. The skull wasn't caved in. He had no bullet holes. He had no snare on him. I never lost any gear. And my wife like, what are you doing? I'm like, Dick's a dick. I'm locking this thing off.
2: You're gonna get so, the dick bone. That's, that that's
1: where that video came on. Yeah, you see an animal, though. you better whack that thing off right away. So <laughs> yeah, man. I appreciate Good you having stuff, me on it. has been fun. It's probably the best podcast I've ever done. Just some been great BS with him. I'd love to come back on.
0: Let's do it, man. Future. Let's uh, we're just gonna have to like set this up as like some, you know, a few times a year we get on and, and we just uh air our grievances, if you will. Uh and and, and whatever, man. Um so again, those of you listening, all this all this information on Adam is going to be in the show notes. So if you want to check it out, check it out. I I would encourage you for sure to check out um, Adam's Instagram. Um, again, like stuck in the rut is probably the most, if not the most authentic hunting YouTube channel out there. Uh, you it's super educational. It's not only edu- educational, but it's also entertaining. Uh, really good stuff, guys. Uh, you what what you do, what Tom does, what Travis does, like your wife, er, ever everything is just that comes out of stuck in the rut is just great stuff. We can all relate to it. We can all learn from it, and we can all just laugh along with you with you guys. Uh, the stuff you put out is is is, is fucking dynamite. I, I don't care, Tom. I Tom, it. if you're if you're listening, I apologize about the f bombs. I, oh, I, I dropped brother. Tom, Tom uh,
1: gets. He gets pissed at me for any all my cuss words. I will throw this in there. All, anyone can pick up a rifle and kill an animal, even a big animal, and get on video. It's not the easiest thing, but the hard thing is the hours and hundreds of hours of year Tom puts into editing. So yeah. we're all super grateful. Yeah, yeah. Stuck in the rut wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Tom continually doing that, looking at the analytics, how to do it, and how to put it on YouTube, and how to keep from getting censored. So that's why we have a Stuck in the rut is because of Tom.
2: Yeah,
0: for, for sure. For sure. I, I, I you know... I'm not behind the scenes, but I, I totally uh, believe what you're saying on that on that level. And so, Tom, again, I, I apologize for my foul mouth, brother. Uh, God bless you. I, I, I think highly of you. Um, I think highly of Adam. Adam, you stay, stick on the line. But, again, lastly, really appreciate you joining me on the show, man. Man, I
1: appreciate it. Thank you.